Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of A Journey Through Time and Stuff. My name is Aaron, and man, do I have a, a wonderful episode for you guys today. Um, we are in the holiday season, the Christmas season. Uh, you've heard a couple past cool episodes that kind of uh, branched outside the main, co- the main content that I produce on this channel. Um, and this is going to be another one of those episodes. This is going to be different than probably anything you guys have heard before. This one's going to be uh, probably incredibly personal to some of you. Um, both me and my guest today have, uh, you know, I, let, let me say it this way. Uh, of everything about my life that I share with you guys on this podcast, um, there's one part that I really never bring up because it doesn't it doesn't ever feel like it naturally fits my podcast. Um, and I don't want to feel for lack of a better word, preachy to any of you. Um, but I am, as well as being a musician and an artist and a podcaster and everything else I do, um, I'm also an atheist and, and a secularist and, uh, very, very, um, tied to, uh, the secular movement in America right now, actually. Um, there are great foundations out there, Freedom From Religion Foundation, the Secular Coalition for Amer- of America. Um, r- r- man, th- there's just so many out there that, I've, that I'm a member of, I follow, I pay attention to. I pay attention to uh, lawmakers like Andrew Seidel and people who are actually f- out there on Capitol Hill trying to uh, create a voice for s- people atheists, secularists, but mostly non-Christians. Um because there is a uh <laughs> there is a lot to be said about the power of that voice in America, especially right now. Um yeah, we don't get into religion a lot on this podcast, but today is going to be chocked full of that. Um and you know, I also want to make the uh the caveat about today's conversation before I introduce my guest, um, that everything that we say today is going to be about personal experience. It's going to be coming from the avenue of my guests and my personal experiences uh, in religion, leaving religion. Um, And if we say anything negative about the religion or the dogmatic beliefs or the fundamentalism, we are talking about the ideas. We are not talking about the people who hold these ideas. I just want to make that clear. We are not going to be saying, I mean, unless there are individual people who did bad things, we are not saying that the religion, having having a problem with the religion is the same ha- with, the, with having a problem with all of the people who believe it. Because most of them are indoctrinated. Most of them uh, did not come to that belief through their own volition. Um, and unfortunately, they are stuck in a place where they don't have the choice to know fully that they're acting the way they're acting. Um, and we're going to get into a lot of that. I'm sure it's going to be uh, a bumpy one for you. This may be triggering for some of you. Um, and this may also be freeing for some of you. Some of you may not have heard a conversation quite like this, uh, especially on my podcast. Some of you may be struggling with your own beliefs and wanting to hear something, especially as we're in the Christmas time. And this is such a, a religiously do- filled uh, holiday season. Um, sometimes it feels a little stifling for atheists in this country right about now. Um, 
So my guest today uh, is an old friend of mine. Um, We went to the same high school. We grew up in the same small town in Alaska. Um, He's a few years younger than me in school-wise, but now as we're both in our 30s, nearing our 30s everywhere that we are, it, it seems that that age gap is far more irrelevant than it did as a senior versus a freshman or something like that. Uh, when we actually evolved, uh, e- existed in each other's immediate lives. Um, yeah, without further ado, Anthony Guth, welcome to the show, man. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Oh, there's applause. <laughs> We Love have it. a giant audience. Uh, <laughs> welcome, man. How, how are you? How are you? Oh, wow. It has been one heck of a ride. One hell of a year. Um, <clears throat> I mean, as you stated, I, yeah, this talk is going to be a bit about religion. I was uh, very, very devoutly Mormon for 30 whole years up until just a year ago. Yeah. So... Yeah, uh, finding a soft landing after high demand religion, it, it takes some work. <laughs> Man, does it ever. Um, yeah, this is, you know, I, I had, uh, I can't remember if it was on Instagram or, or Facebook or something. Um, babe, but it wasn't on TikTok, but it was a link of one of your videos from TikTok. Um, and you were talking about uh, basically that, finding your way out of faith and uh, realizing how many, you know, I, it was just it was just a, a video about that struggle about you going yeah I don't even know where I'm going to land yet but I'm falling right now and um, I saw that and I resonated with it uh, I've been out of religion obviously quite a bit longer than you I was in my early t- late teens early twenties I w- I was twenty four the first time I actually called myself an atheist. Um, Oh really? Yeah, I was I was 24 the first time I actually called it. I probably didn't believe I definitely didn't practice any sort of belief um through probably late 1920 basically when I went to college. Um okay. I, but uh yeah, so I've been out of it quite a while. Um and you are fresh. You are new, man. You probably still I'm green, still still bleeding a little bit. Oh yeah, it's been painful. It's been so painful. It's great. <laughs> well, well, um, you know, I, I I think that maybe we should start this conversation um, kind of from the beginning, and maybe set a little preamble for yourself on uh, how you how you were raised in it. Kind of the, you know, we we spoke this morning, and you said something um, very interesting in. Um, you know, you, you recognize that even when in high school and when we existed together, you were your your entire worldview at that point was poisoned. And maybe even the way that you acted toward people were poisoned. Not that you knew it and acted that way, but you recognize it oh, now. Yeah. So, so take me back, man. Kind of how did you fall? Oh, and I want to do one more thing because I do want to be um, fair to everybody. So I've, I've been confused. Do you call yourself a Mormon or do Mormons call themselves Christians? How should I be referring to the, the church of Latter-day Saints? Should I say Mormons? Is that, is that, uh, is that kind of, you know, of- if you, if you say Mormons, that's the more, that's more the colloquial term. The, oh, I'm mispronouncing yeah, that word. It's col- colloquial. Yeah. Yeah. That's the more hey, common term. Cheers. <laughs> God, we're going to mispronounce <laughs> a lot of words tonight. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh yeah. And I, I had a beer myself. Good. Um, yeah. Anyway, it's, 
the more colloquial term is Mormon. Yeah. Um, however, Mormons believe that they have a prophet that was called by God that speaks for God. That's a fundamental part of their belief. And uh, a number of years ago, that current prophet, Russell M. Nelson is his name. He's the current prophet of the Mormon yep. church. Uh, put out put out the announcement saying we're not to call ourselves Mormons anymore. We are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints because you know let's yeah. have more syllables. Yeah. <laughs> so you would call yourselves if you if you if 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 internally inside of the church you guys were no longer calling yourselves Mormons. Would you would you call yourselves Christians at that point? Because you do you did or they do. I can't. I don't want to lump you in there anymore. Um, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ is your savior. So. Was your yes. savior? So, what well, is their savior? Absolutely. Um, so Mormons do self-identify as Christian. Yeah. Absolutely. But their the beliefs found in that particular sect are so unorthodox mm-hmm. in comparison to all of the other Christian. Yeah. Most of the other Christian sects that uh, the rest of mainstream Christianity doesn't really want to claim them as Christian. No. It's how they identify. Yeah. Well, man, I mean, I mean, you know, so. Another caveat, especially for you, for our conversation, I'm pretty well versed in the, the, the secular historical side of the Mormon church. I don't maybe know all of the inter, well, but in my youth, I attended Mormon church for quite a few years off and on um, in high school because yeah. my friends were, most of my friends, half my friends were Mormon, um, my true friends, and I was... You know, I didn't know it what I was in high school, but mm-hmm. because I was raised religiously, we prayed, we, you know, um, non-denominational Christian kind of my mom's, my mom's parents who were the really religious ones were Lutheran. Um, and I just, I just walked around acting as if there is a God in kind of control of everything. I know you know, I believed that he answered prayers. I believed he was active in people's lives today. Um, and that he was a man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I also kind of thought that it, it seemed that all of my friends who were their their families were religious, were the happiest families. They, they seemed that way to me as I was a kid with them. And I'm like, they they were always kind of like the better acting kids in school. They didn't get into trouble as much. They probably had better grades. And I was like, man, there is, I, I acted and th- spent time going, man, there, it seems like the, <laughs> the people doing better in life are the religious ones. Maybe there is some value to really try and find out where I belong in this. And so I would, you know, spend the night at my friend's houses and go to early seminary in your guys's church before school. Oh no way. Yeah. Five o'clock in the morning. Yeah, dude, I was doing, I was doing all of it. I, I, I didn't, I, so you were like actively searching, trying to figure it. This was like a preoccupation of yours. Oh yes. Oh yes. Oh yes. Um, you know, I attended, uh, your church for, I don't know. Did did you go to the, the, the church in Soldotna there? Is that the one you, yeah, 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 I did. That was the meeting house I went to. Yep. yep. So, uh, yeah. So same. Cause I was, I was, most of the time I was going, I was going with Sean Millette when he was still a Mormon as well. Um, and the Millette family is, oh, is, I remember is Sean. yeah. Is, and that's who I, uh, that's who I went with when we did that. Um, lovely scene voice. Yeah. Oh, God. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I, 
I don't want to detract too much from um, what you were saying about kind of the the actual kind of some of the tenets of Mormonism, but let's. I'm sure we will cover that. Start start at the beginning. Let's let's go there and uh, how, yeah, you know, absolutely how you became how you came really truly into your faith. How you decided you wanted to pursue it after high school. The uh, and how yeah, just start, man. Tell me a little. Yeah. So it was a faith that I was born into. Um, you know, I, I grew up, oh, I'm so envious of you right now. I'm not high functioning enough. <laughs> um, so I, I definitely grew up being indoctrinated, you know, from the time that I was, you know, we, uh, can I ask you, were yeah. your, were your parents born into it as well? Or were they first generation? My father was my, Oh, uh, I have like, ancestry that goes back, back to like the foundations of mormonism yeah my really great great grandfather back there somewhere was one of the first mormon pioneers that immigrated Bro- to the west. salt lake yeah brought it west into the salt lake valley and he was the uh lead stonemason for the first mormon temple in the valley over there wow i was so proud of I was so proud of that as a kid well, and as an adult. You kind of still should be, but not for the same reasons anymore. I mean, that is uh, being mm-hmm. a part of history as weird as it is to say religious history, but being a part of kind of that movement of U.S. history is kind of cool to say you're involved with, even if it no longer means you're that much closer to getting your own planet or anything. <laughs> My own planet next to Kolob or something. Yeah. Uh, that's going to offend any Mormon listeners. <laughs> We're talking about the belief, not the people. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I'm here just to speak from my experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's some people where it, it really does work. It, there's something to be said for conservative living. Yeah. You stay out of trouble, like you said. So anyway, yeah, I started, the indoctrination started from the time that I left the womb, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, my parents were the, you know, every Sunday type, every Sunday, hugely involved and um and it stayed that way and there were expectations for us growing up um and i like mormonism is one of those religions where now as i've unpacked it i've really realized that it it, like i was experiencing a lot of psychological harm as a teenager as a child um for one i was taught that masturbation was so egregiously sinful Something that is so basic and and just a basic part of human desire that everyone yeah. experiences. How it was taught to me was it was a sin that was just below murder. Um, so you can imagine the shame and the psychological turmoil that I was in at different times in my youth. Well, uh, can, you know, I I want to ask a question about that. Um, how without you can obviously share as much as you want. I don't want to be overly questioning, but how did i also want to be honest so sure. with with talking about that what did you feel the first time you as a 12 year 11 year old boy and you get an erection and like what what i i wasn't given that now i was taught like sex is bad but i was actually yeah. never talked about masturbation like that wasn't a part of the conversation for me as a something to not worry about. It was just like fornicating with others. It, it was never even talked about for me. So how was that? Like, what, what was that experience like for you? As Right. So you're actually up? it was taught similarly to me that no, no sex before marriage. Um, but it was also injected into my psyche that sex before marriage is a sin akin to murder. 
Um, but for me, in my youthful mind, I didn't know how to distinguish between what, uh, like, okay, it's super bad to have sex before marriage. Um, masturbation, though, it, it was like the closest thing to sex that I had experienced. So yeah. the shame still went over into that area. Fuck. Even though it, that's not explicitly what was taught. Of course. I still that shame. And you probably heard it from older people talking about it uh, that you spent yes. inside and, and they would, you know, it was... It, whether it was delivered from the front of of the, it was talked about in church, like it, you, you heard yeah. it. Well, this is this is one of the things that now looking back, it, it's so not okay. No, but I thought it was okay because I was uh, conditioned into it. Um, but we would have these like interviews behind closed doors and in a bishop's office, so an ecclesiastical leader in Mormonism mm -hmm. and just me, uh, like a 12 year, 12 to 15 year old young man having these private interviews about my sexuality with a middle-aged old man. Yeah. And they were risky and won't, if I'm, if I'm correct, um, and from what I've heard, never having experienced it truly myself, they would ask really like really personal detailed questions like they would want detailed answers yeah how many times what were you what were you thinking about when you did it yeah yeah was there logs kept as well or was it all verbal still to this day yeah they they have that information on me it's written down day. written down right um yeah it's they keep records on all of your uh the contents of everything that happens in those meetings right. and those are and saved for forever um isn't there a way can't you appeal the the board of directors for the church and appeal that your records get stricken isn't that a isn't that something you can't it's i heard it's hard to do but isn't that a, something you can do yes it is um there are some hoops to jump through of course and does it really do anything though no. um this is this is where we get into like my journey into ex Mormonism and like uncovering all of these different things that as a believing member, you don't know, but they only say that they remove your information. They only say that they remove your name, but all it is is they go to their database and check a box that says, uh, no contact, mm. Mm. but it's still all there. <laughs> How, oh man, that's holy shit. Yeah. That's a, that's, that's a, that's weird. That's, <laughs> that's fucking that's fucking a trip okay okay go back go back in time we we, we uh yeah okay so back in time um so i you knew me back in yeah, high school yeah. i mean or at least in the other spheres you knew that i was a good kid i didn't even swear yeah i knew your brother um, far better kenny yeah yeah you two were around you two were the same age and i was friends with your brother rusty yep, yep, your younger yep. brother rusty um played football with him and everything oh yeah had a blast anyway um yeah, I didn't even swear through most of high school. It was seldom, if ever, if I even swore because that was uh, sinful as well. Yeah, um, I would go to church every Sunday and renew my my covenants with God and seek forgiveness for all of the sins that I did in the previous week. I did all of that stuff. Served a mission, even. I went to, I would say, the third world part of a second world country. I served my mission in northeastern Brazil for two whole years, and suffered. Now I can actually say it and accept it, but unimaginable, just unfathomable, unfathomable trauma, just terrible trauma for two whole years. 
came home with a lot of PTSD symptoms, um, but was still incredibly like, if anything, more devout. Well, yeah, I right? would. I've I've heard people suffering like that because the church doesn't do a lot to actually help you as a human surviving there. Like, like they want you to go there and witness to these people and spread the word and spread the book. Um, but they're not actually caring about your well-being as like a, other than you doing the work and you being there, you're not really taken care of, right? Uh, from the church, no, from the church. From the church. Yeah. Um, I mean, believing Mormons are going to disagree with that, but. Now, on the other side of the Correct. fence. Yeah, your experience. That was, my experience now, looking back, that was horrific abuse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was working 80 to 100-hour work weeks just underneath the hot Brazilian sun. I learned a, a foreign language, which is cool. That's a great experience. I, I don't regret learning a foreign language and becoming you know, fluent in it. Um, but the the cost for my experience was... You know, I, I had night terrors. I remember there were, there were days that I couldn't brush my teeth because my hands were shaking so much. Yeah. It, it, was the food situation tough? Like were, were you actually eating I, I, enough food or were you, were you oh, no. going hungry? Um, I wouldn't say that I was going hungry. I would just say that I wasn't always, I, I like definitely wasn't in good health yeah, yeah. those whole two years. Like in, in normal good health, I'm an active person. Uh, I, I, we're not going to talk about this, I promise, but I do CrossFit. <laughs> that's great. Hey, that's great. That's, that's great. Yeah. I normally weigh 165 to 170 pounds. Um, but I remember during the mission, I was horrendously underweight and yeah. perpetually pretty much all the time. If it wasn't stress induced, it was, it was just that I couldn't get enough calories. Actually, and, yeah. You know, caloric deficits. Um, what what was your what, what what kind of job did you have there? What were you working on? Were you one hundred percent? It was just to find people that were gullible enough to believe that a fourteen year old boy saw and spoke to God and restored the only true Christian church that had God's power yeah. and authority. Yeah, so, well, I I understand you're there witnessing, but but you're there for two. I mean, was it literally every day for two was, years? In, walking Every and just day. finding people you weren't you didn't have manual labor tasks you didn't have a other kind of job force of some kind uh we could like schedule service projects if we wanted to mm, okay but that wasn't like our job description it really was every day door to door two whole years door to door Every day, two whole years. I don't know how I did white it. That's shirts, how much I believed suits. in God, people. Yeah, white yeah. shirt suits. Like that's how much I believed in God, people. Yeah. I suffered that two whole years. It was Groundhog Day every day. It was it was absolute torture. And so hell. and so, I guess that brings up something in my head that, yeah, you went and you learned another language, but you were learning that language so that you could translate the word better to people. Like yeah. like it wasn't that you were learning the like. You weren't you weren't trying to understand the people better. You weren't learning it to be be like actually interact with them as people better. It was a little more malicious than that. Um, I mean, of course, the indoctrinated mind doesn't see it as malicious, right? But I, in particular, myself, at least while I was there, I yeah, I put a lot of effort into mastering the language. It got to the point where. 
if a Brazilian had a conversation with me that lasted 15 to 20 minutes, they wouldn't even be able to tell that I was American. I, I mean, I'm already a little more tan as it is, but I got to where I could speak the language so well. I personally, it, I, I had to be social. I had to have moments of humanity in order to stay, stay sane. So yeah, yeah, of course. Um, but the purpose of learning the language 100% was to, yeah, evangelize. Wow. Wow. Um, okay. Spread the gospel. And you were there for two years. You came back. You did, when you came back and you were having signs of PTSD from that experience, um, mm -hmm. was the only thing you kind of had was church counseling to go to, 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 for those symptoms? Did you even, did you even think that you needed to treat any of that at the time? Or did you just got um, it over? You know, I I would tell my bishop about it. I even told my parents about it, and they just kind of like shrugged and they were like, "Yeah, that's that's part of the experience. It's part of the experience, bud. Serving the Lord is hard." Yeah, yeah. I did go to therapy for a bit. Was it in? But then I got church therapy. Yeah, yeah. basically, I was at a church school. Went and saw a therapist that was Mormon. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So there was no break of that, that cycle. Um, and then you, you went into the army. So it must've been after, after that you went in as a Mormon, right? Correct. Mm. Uh, yeah. Was it, what was the purpose of that decision? What did you think you were, was, how was that part of your path in, in the church? <laughs> um, cause I'm sure that was part really? of it, right? Um, I, I would say I prayed about it, but I joined the army mostly just because I wanted to be a hero and have a sexy job. And when you are in your young 20s, you make stupid choices. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, yeah, you absolutely <laughs> do. But I, I wouldn't make the same choice now. No. Um, and then where did you go to college at? At BYU, so right? I went, yes. Yes, I did. I, I went my Before I served my mission, I went to college at um Brigham Young University, Hawaii. So I was going to school at Hawaii, mm -hmm. mostly just to surf and enjoy myself before um, signing my life away for two years. And then when I got back, BYU for a couple of semesters, but I got so sick of it. I and um, and they didn't really have programs that I was particularly looking for. Uh, so I transferred over to UVU. Uh, Utah Valley University, so a non-church school. Wow! And so you're in your you're in your twenties. Mm -hmm. You've come back from a mission. You've 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 really experienced a portion of life that, um, <laughs> I mean, you got thrust into a level of responsibility that's kind of unfair for someone yeah. of your age. Who, without any preparation for it and yeah the, and the i i didn't get much of um yeah my youth was kind of taken yeah 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 at this time do, do you and, and are you still dealing with things i mean I, I i can't imagine you being able to separate any in that life or even coming back from it any part of like a normal what did normal life look like for you i mean you, you, you get home from that thing, you, you're back in America, you're, you're home from your mission. What was hanging out with friends like? I mean, 
did you have non non church friends? Did you have non Mormon friends? What what was that social life like? How did you? What are you thinking as a 22, 23 year old guy wanting to meet a girl? I mean, obviously your your primal drive is kicking at that point, and you're still probably stunted, shaming your own sexuality. Um, still a virgin at that point, yeah. Still going, still, still uh, asking for forgiveness and re-salvation every Sunday for masturbating during the week at 22, 23 yeah. years old, 24 years oh, old. Oh, oh, it gets worse, my friend. Please, please so go. I, I don't want to, I'm trying I to. Oh, sure. Okay. Let, I'll, I'll just take yeah, off on yeah, this, yeah, little, yeah, this little bit right here. I get home from my mission. Yes. Those primal human, human desires are kicking in and everything. And I'm allowed to date for the first time, but as, as a Mormon and especially as a returned missionary. So like somebody who served a mission and come home, you are expected to date to marry. And so, and you're also expected to date Mormon women. We lived in Saldotna, Alaska. How many Mormon, how many eligible Mormon bachelorettes are there in that town? Exactly. Uh, so I, yeah, yeah. I, I had to just sit there and try not to masturbate. <laughs> wow, man. And I, uh, yeah. Fun, fun fact for viewers. I was a virgin until I was 30 years old because I never got married in Mormonism. Um, so I am sex. Listen, I'm incredibly yeah. sorry for that. <laughs> um, it is, <sighs> it is unbelievable to me to, I mean, that is one of the pernicious levels of control for their people. Like it, it, mm. you, you're having to forego not only primal urges, but, but literal happiness. You're having to forego an entire section relationships of life experiences human yeah. building of of mm. oh, dude i am yeah I, i'm sorry that that happened to you man that's abuse yeah i mean uh, that, that is man it's just abuse it is yeah um it gets even worse than that please actually. please so yeah, yeah i was taught by my ecclesiastical leaders that i was addicted to masturbation um, and they sent me to a 12 step recovery program and they wanted me to, um, not masturbate at all. And so I was conditioned into believing that I had this, uh, I like that word that you used pernicious addiction and it had its clutches on me and it had more control over me than I did over it, obviously, because I was doing it Yeah, and I was told not to. It would just happen. Like I would wake up at three, you know, as men, we get those, uh, testosterone spikes 3am in the morning. I, and I would like wake up, be slightly awake with no inhibitions and, um, <laughs> don't mean to be overly explicit, but I would hump my mattress Yeah, and then go and confess about it to my Bishop. Well, it's, it's your, 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 if talking just purely human anatomy your body for a decade for 15 years has been going we have had an unnatural cycle of release for every part of our our growing and developing uh sexual system sexual urges you're you know if if i don't know how many 
most men will know this, but um, women, I'm I'm sure, are aware of this. Um, men, if we don't ejaculate enough, we'll do it in our sleep because our body has to keep reproducing. Uh, sperm has to re- keep reproducing. Um, semen, which are two different things. Sperm and semen are two different things. Um, and our body and our prostate has to uh, go through kind of yeah cycles of release, um, get rid of the old literally to create put, the new. Yeah. You, you literally put yourself uh, in more danger of having prostate cancer later in life if you don't ejaculate on a regular basis. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> and I, I learned in college and with that really like messed with my and i was thinking okay why would god make me like this um mm. and prostate cancer <laughs> yeah 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 well, yeah it's well it it's 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 again this word is maybe come up may come up a lot pernicious um you know it's part of one of the troubles with dogma, um, and not only in, in Mormonism specifically, but in a lot of Christianity um, and even uh, most Abrahamic faiths, um, that we are imperfect beings made by a perfect creator reaching for perfection, right? And so, of course, he made us to not be perfect to have to need him to be perfect yet we're told we're also made in the image of him which is perfect so uh mm-hmm. and god doesn't make mistakes so anything you have is your fault because god made you to be perfect and you're not and it can't be him because he doesn't fuck up so it it's you yeah god. Uh, yeah and so there i was believing that I was addicted to masturbation. And I also like started to develop these like really unhealthy internal beliefs, thinking that, you know, I, I was lonely, not having sex, really struggling. I, I, I had a number of different relationships, but they never progressed to marriage. And you don't really learn good archetypes for um, successful and healthy relationships. Can, can I ask um, you, can I ask you, to stand this, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to focus specifically on your sex life and your dating, but it, it is such a part of the human condition and something that was purposefully stunted by your religion. I mean, they they told you to act this way. This is on purpose. Um, when was your first act? What would you call your first relationship? And how old are you? Like like an act, a dating, maybe months on end with the same person. When? How old were you? Uh- yeah, I was well into already back from your. I mean, obviously past the mission, you're back, right? Yeah, and oh God, I uh, in that decade after I got home from my mission, I would say I had three really serious relationships. Were were they with Mormon women? Yes, yeah, okay. they were. They're, there were a number of like non-Mormon women that I would. I I always got along better with non-Mormon women because we could just laugh and joke and there was and dating most mormon women there was so much dysfunctionality and pressure there because they knew if i'm asking them out it means oh i think that uh maybe we could progress to marriage and it would it would just be a mind fuck right away well and you know um something else pernicious is uh, females are 
are segregated from males inside of the Mormon church. Um, when you're kids, Great. you can't attend the same classes together. You are segregated. Literally, you're mm -hmm. told that you're in a different class. You can never achieve what a male can achieve. Um, you're basically there to be, to end up as the partner and the uh, kind of, I don't want to use the word property, but the, you're there to be at the service to the leader of your household, which is the man yeah. of the house, right? So that's kind, kind of your purpose. You're told that from a small woman in church. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It's a, it's a patriarchal system with a lot of inherent misogyny built into it. <sighs> lot. Well, it's it's uh, it's the fact that that one man can have many wives, but a, a woman cannot have many husbands. I mean, that alone is a clear divide in doctrine. And people can say, "Oh no, that was taken out later. That was only taken out in America to to appease the the our government, so government. that the Mormons could still exist in America, and they still practiced it in secret years after it. Yeah, yeah, after the manifest." Yeah, saying that they wouldn't. Right, right. They just would so, no longer uh, document that they were. Yeah, I mean, there was a fucking to a show, t Sister Wives. I mean, it was on fucking TLC. <laughs> we we know this still fucking happens. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, I uh, there was there was one girl that I almost married, and um, so when that relationship ended, there I am, still a virgin now going on age 30 who has this addiction to masturbation and at this point i am desperate because i was literally thinking god is keeping the woman that i'm supposed to marry away from me because, because of your i'm not worthy. right yeah. right and this whole time you're dealing with this personal stuff you're in the military also dealing with that mm. job mm -hmm. yeah yeah um so it got to a point where it, it, it boiled up to uh, desperation. And I don't know, I, it was my little brother. My little brother had left the church long before I did. He, he was never like that into it. It just, it wasn't his thing. His um, brain and didn't absorb the indoctrination like yours did. He thought it was all bullshit. Yeah. Wow. What a lucky yeah, son of a bitch. Yeah, please do. Please do. Yeah. Um, so my little brother started telling me about ayahuasca and how he was interested in it. And, and I was like, oh yeah, my little brother wanting to do drugs. This you know, fucking druggy. Yeah. yeah. Fucking. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But then he started telling me about how, yeah, it really helps cure addictions. And then that like sparked something that sparked a little curiosity. Oh. Exactly. Well, so, so, so at this time, I, sorry, I want to kind of ask about, cause, cause Mormons have. Sure. A, a very strict set of, of, of actionable beliefs, like things you shall not do. So you couldn't, did you, mm. you didn't drink caffeine. You didn't drink alcohol. Nope. You didn't, uh, nope. you had no illicit substances whatsoever. Soda pop. I mean, how, 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 how strict were you in those things? Did you wear magic underwear? I like, I want to know how. I wore the magic underwear. <laughs> did you? I did. I did. I wore that. I wore that fucking underwear for a decade. Yeah. Oh my God, man. You, you had, you, you were scoring 
a very low score on Maslow's hierarchy of needs, my friend, for a very <laughs> long time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I don't know how I faked being happy so well. Well, I did, though. That's how powerful the human mind is. And that is why um, that I, I'm sure I, I've recognized this now. I'm sure you recognize this now. And you can probably relate very well to this. Um, far stronger than I am because I... Man, it, I'm so sorry for all of that. Um, it seems I've had like, sex now. It's so <laughs> yes. yeah. Oh, okay, we're, 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 let's let's talk. We're we're going to go into the growth and and where you are there. We're not even to the the thing that that first really snapped you. I still want to know um, mm. where. Oh God, what was I just going to say? Um, you. Oh. Um, fuck, it was about, it was about your, ha it was, a, oh God, I, it's right there on yeah, my Yeah, we tongue. were talking about Maslow's we were talking hierarchy about of needs. I had said, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Um, oh, it, it is, it is the, it shows the actual strength of the mind to try and help ourselves because you, mm. you were convinced this was the answer to your problems and it was you who was causing your problems. And so you're going to, you're already convinced that a proposition is true. God exists and he cares about you. Therefore, all of your actions are trying to appease the rationalization of that belief that is the thing causing you harm. So so you're 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 running ever closer to the thing that causes you harm. I mean, it Stockholm syndrome, right? I mean it, it's yeah. The poison and the antidote handed to you at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. Oh, you, you have these carnal urges and carnal desires. This is, this is the poison. Okay. Well, let's treat the poison with the antidote repentance and believing in Christ. Yeah. Do you remember, yes. do you remember how old you were when you had your first kiss? I do. I was, and you even know the, you even probably remember the person that I kissed. So I'm not sure if I should say, yeah. You can um, say the first you person. We can bleep it out. Okay. You have the button. I kissed. That's true. I've got my bleeper. Um, <laughs> I love this theme, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> my first kiss was. Really? Yeah. I'm not sure if I should have said their last I can, name. I can bleep it out. I'll go in. I'll okay. actually well, make a clip, uh, uh, edit right now. Hold on. All right. Cool. Okay. God, I hope she doesn't watch this. <laughs> I, no, man. I'll edit that out. I'll edit that out. I, yeah. I put. I put. Well, a, it's mostly I, the principle that she's going to find out that she dated for a really short period of time. Dated a cult child. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's not her fault. <laughs> not her fault. She had poor taste and teenage boys it's all right um oh so so you had had a kiss in high school still before you had, you had had a kiss that young or, or okay good yeah all right it wasn't sinful but it led to masturbation which was oh kissing isn't sinful in church in, in in the mormon religion not as it was presented to me but that's more of like a personal in uh, in mormonism they would it's like in the gray area of personal choice between you and god Right, right. Okay, okay. Uh, so, so that wasn't something that was directly sinful, um, but you still had to talk about it to your bishop that it happened. Um, for kissing, no. Oh, for passionate kissing, yes. Or, or anything that <laughs> you use tongue. 
yeah, if you use tongue, tongue is a no, no, no tongue. And, oh. and if you're kissing longer than five seconds, it's obviously a passionate kiss. That's only going to stir up lustful desires. Don't. Oh, Jesus. I, I actually didn't realize it was like that. Yeah. I did break that rule though. Good, good, man. Good. Well, the, you know, everybody I've ever known, every family I've known that's Mormon, they all have like this thing. And you're right. It, it does seem to be familial where they all go. Yeah, we're, we all believe it, but there's this thing that we do as a family that like, we all, we exactly. just kind of say that's okay. And we just, we, you know, we, we yeah. play that one off. I gotcha. I gotcha. Um, okay. So your brother had told you about ayahuasca and you have this God given addiction to masturbation that is plaguing <laughs> you from finding the right woman. Um, God, get exactly. Yeah. Uh, so what is, how is, how did this adventure start for you, man? Like, did you go and actually seek out ayahuasca? Did you try other hallucinogenics? How did? No, no, I, I like left it. Here's the thing. I was, I was also educated, you know, at that point in life, I had been through a lot, many years of university studies and I had, I had switched my, when I was in college, I switched my major. God, I lost count of how many times I yeah. switched my major. Will you talk about what you were trying to study for? I mean, what, what were you, what was your interests in? What are you interested in education wise? Like where's your passion? Now? I self-identify as a multi-potentialite. Um, <laughs> I, I'm actually very studious. I'm one of those fucking weirdos that will wake up in the morning, read about socialism, capitalism, and then hop on the computer, open up a, a database for peer reviewed, um, science articles and just go ham, you know? Mm. Um, um, I was going to say, do you, <laughs> I also, uh, peruse peer-reviewed articles and journals quite a bit are you a are you the type of uh, uh article reader study reader that only reads the abstracts or do you actually go into study notes and looking at p-values and how, how deep do you go into uh, oh i go into p-values even yes i know p-values are <laughs> you're the man uh yeah that, that uh that's interesting and you were you were into that kind of literary research and still a Mormon. And still a Mormon. Wow. Yeah. I, at that point, there was so much on my mind that was just like, okay, that's obviously not true. Mm. That's not obviously true. I was introduced to the, the Kinsey scale yeah. and knew that um, it was completely natural for and naturally occurring everywhere in the animal kingdom. Also, at least with mammals um, for homosexuality to occur. Mm -hmm. And I was already to the, before leaving Mormonism, I was already to the point where I, I, I did have the thought continuously. I don't think homosexuality is a sin. That makes no sense to me. So you already had internal, uh, internal, um, scriptural problems. Like you had been finding yeah. problems in scripture and doctrine already before leaving the faith. Mm -hmm. The secular research and the academic research showed that many yeah. of the principles my religion had taught were completely wrong. And uh, were you finding? Oh, sorry. Were you yeah, finding these? Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> delay. There's a delay. I know we, we're dealing with that. Um, what was there a? Because obviously you're studying, and for the things that are not in contradiction with doctrine. 
you are completely fine with the scientific community weighing on these issues. You're believing peer research. You're, you're, you're learning things about the working world. And as long as they're not interfering with doctrine, you can believe the scientific study. And then did you have that moment where, oh man, I, I found this valid resource st- talking about one thing. They also say something about a contradictory thing to my doctrine, and then you have to go. Wait, what am I believing? Like, like which which mm-hmm. source do I go with? Because if I disbelieve this scientific community on this one thing that interferes with my doctrine, what else of their research do I cast out, or do I have to start casting out some of my doctrine? Like, yeah, what was? How did that play in your head? I'm sure it was. Mm-hmm. Well, first, in the, I, I do remember that in the beginning, all, all of the secular stuff and all of the scientific research was sus. But I would still, but I, you know, I had to get educated and yeah. uh, my degree and everything. So I'd keep going along with it. But more and more, oh, there we go. The mic was being weird. Oh, you have a directional, um, yeah. Yeah, I didn't realize it was directional. Um, so more and more, I, I came to realize that what I was learning in science was, in fact, really what was going on, the true phenomenon, that, like, and science would explain very reasonably and very rationally, and religion just wasn't anymore. Yeah, funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was small things, like... I, I, as I came to learn more about human sexuality and my human sexuality courses, I even got to the point where I was like, oh, wow, the stuff that my, ch- my church teaches is harmful. And, um, but I would, I, I was there in my, like in my indoctrinated mind would just think, well, but God's ways are higher than man's ways. So harmful here, but maybe there's a greater reward if I remain faithful. Yeah. We have, we have limited understanding. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but when it came to just the way that, um, you know, I, I had homosexual friends, LGBTQIA plus friends that were very dear to me and some of the best people I had ever known, most moral and just best people. And of course, LGBTQIA plus people just, they actually study principles of consent to make sure that they are adhering to them. That's a word they talk about it. I mean, I mean, can you, did you ever hear the word consent in any of your upbringing in the the Mormon church? No. Yeah, of course. No, 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 not at all. But it was from my LGBT, LGBTQIA plus friends that I started learning a lot about principles of consent. And then furthermore, principles of informed consent and i realized oh my god you know one huge thing in mormonism is you mentioned the magic underwear so we can all yeah Yeah. we can go there you you have the experience the coming of age experience where you go into the mormon temple and you receive your what is called an endowment you get your magic underwear um that is supposed to protect you from satan or whatever and also keep you modest protect Um, your your genitals from satan Yes, the the genitals are quite important to protect at all times, even from Satan. Well, isn't there? Um, is I don't know if it's in if it's actually in uh, doctrine. Um, and I guess we should say too, because you guys have 
uh, a few different books of of doctrine that you go through. You have the the Book of Mormon, and then you also have, um, oh God, the Doctrine and Covenants, Doctrine and Pro- Covenants, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> like among my circle of friends, we actually uh, we have ways that we like to refer to our old faith now. And we call it the Rocky Mountain fan, uh, Bible fan fiction sex cult. Because um, it absolutely started out as a sex cult. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, but with a lot of Bible fan fiction around it, like the found the founders, they, writ all, they, they wrote all of this extra scripture. When you look at it, the, all of the origins are based upon like 1820s colonial biases and uh well, that's, that's, you know, you know, I guess we could go into this part real quick before we, we do go to your leaving. Um, you know, Joseph Smith as a man himself, who is the quote unquote founder of the Mormon church. Um, that's who he was. He was an 1820s grifter, you know, and, uh, uh, do, do, where do you sit now as someone removed from that? as the validity of Joseph Smith as a person, the validity of, <laughs> of anything he could have said. Um, he was an absolute con man that never had an honest goddamn day in his life. Yeah. Yeah. Do, I, I have spent months upturning the real history that was hidden from me. It, it, it is one of the most remarkable tales of, of um i mean true conspiracy that mm-hmm. that uh <laughs> yeah i i don't even i mean so when you were a, a kid did you were you, were you told that um israelites rode on a submarine made of wood over here the barges yeah there's the little submarine barges yeah <laughs> yeah i bought that shit yeah, yeah, I, I believe that. And they had been here, and elephants had been in the Americas at all, everything like that. That was all because when I was in, when I was going to uh, Mormon Church LDS, um, I had I never heard any of that. That was never what was actually talked about. Um, so it's, it's well, it's, it's yeah, it's in the Mormon scripture. It's in like I can even like tell you which book it is in in the book of mormon do it with tell, so so Mar- people people can yeah. go listen and read it now yeah book of ether chapter 12 i think is where it's at did you guys chapter- did you guys read how, how familiar were you with the actual the the christian bible whether it be you know uh nev or I, the whatever yeah, I will admit that uh, I had far less familiarity. I had familiarity, but far less familiarity with the, you know, usual King James Christian Bible. Yeah. Um, the the Old Testament was too much of a bore. I didn't really study that until I was an adult, and um, uh, it was mostly Book of Mormon, Book Book of Mormon, Book of Mormon, and then uh, New Testament. Learn about Christ in the New Testament and his ministry, but it was a huge emphasis on mostly the Mormon Canaan scriptures. Right. Okay. Okay. That's that's what I was wondering. Like what what familiarity was because I didn't spend enough time to really know how, what was actually you know brought up and taught. 
uh, on a consistent yeah, day-to-day well, basis. Because Mormons believe that the Book of Mormon is the most correct of all scripture and right. that the Bible was meddled with. Well, with, with human interference. And human so, interference, so translations, that's what Mormons. And mean. weren't you, weren't what I seem to remember being told that, um, because I had gone to, I, I, I was raised in a Christian church first, raised reading the, the, the Christian Bible first, not to say that Mormons who call themselves Christians aren't correct in doing that. I'm not trying to, to say you're not a fucking Christian because I understand <laughs> that's how you identify. Um, but identified, yeah, I didn't, well, I, I was talking to the maybe believer oh. listener still, gotcha. um, gotcha. that that is how they identify. Um, mm. uh, but having been born in a old Testament and new Testament specific doctrine, um, and then going to a Mormon church and being like, oh, hey, they're Christians too. Okay. Oh yeah. I, I, I I'm familiar with this Jesus guy. And then they go, oh yeah, but we have like ours is correct because it's so new still like it it is it was just within a couple generations passed down and we're getting all this updated stuff and constant new revelation and and you mm-hmm. know updating and i would go to at the same time i would go to like sunday sunday stuff um at my other church and we'd have like youth groups and and all type of stuff that i was doing with my christian friends um mm. and you know, they weren't getting any new updates. They had, they still had the old version and they were, you know, though that, that style of Christianity still, the, everything was set and we're just waiting for the return at this point. We mm. weren't getting new updates. And so it was kind of like Mormonism felt like this, like something, honestly, at that time when I was a kid, it, it, it did feel like this, like this thing that was kind of, still evolving and and it was it didn't seem stagnant in as a as a belief you know what i mean it didn't it didn't feel that way to me because because of the way i mean i don't know how many non-mormon christian church services you've been to but uh there there is a bit of a difference between the 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 types of services the sunday services you guys have man it's it's wild the difference yeah, I, I've thought about going to a Catholic mass oh. just to write out. Yeah. Oh, Catholic Catholic shit's way weird. Like, like. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, so let me tell you, my 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 girlfriend is, is Catholic, and I've I've had quite a couple, a, a few Catholic friends, and most of the Catholic stuff I have gone to have actually been funerals in Catholic churches. Um, and that's just a whole different level of culty weird. I mean, you want to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> you want to talk about real culty weird shit catholics the they're they're i mean they still do latin shit no ever stand up sit down stand up sit down stand up sit down 40 times a fucking three hour mass mm. i mean you're talking long time that's weird okay never mind never mind the, the one <laughs> i the, actually i tell you the one i want to go to the, the type of church service i would actually be interested going down to i hear they're a fucking blast is like a mm. is like a southern baptist black church i've heard that they the, the music is the best the singing is the best <laughs> the energy is the best um and the food and you're all about music and, yeah. and performance so. <laughs> yes, yes i would i would love to hear i mean i 
dude, I know so many people who grew up in, in Baptist and Southern Baptist churches, and they're the best singers I've met. They have the greatest ranges, dynamics with their voice. They know how to really bring their internal convictions into the music because in the same way, they're, they're, they're representing Jesus. They're representing Christ. They're representing God. And, and they're, yeah. they, they are translating through them um, the, the Holy Spirit, you know, and it comes out in music and right. it's, I've it's heard part of their veneration yeah. and mixed serotonin with music. That's a good combo historically. Oh, it's, I, I have had now, I mean, honestly, being an atheist, being a skeptic, being a, um, somebody who empirically kind of lives my life now in things, accordance to reality, I have had multiple religious experiences as a secular person at concerts. Absolutely. Everybody knows the same song. Everybody's hands are up in the air. Everybody's jumping at the same time. You're looking around at strangers and everybody's just like in awe of this music happening. Like it is your body goes to another level. Something takes over Mm -hmm. you and it's all our brain. I get that now, but of course, neurotransmitters. Yeah. 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 That damn brain chemistry. Um, fuck <laughs> oh, speaking of brain chemistry so you're you were doubting yourself you were doubting your faith you were you were starting to have conflicting moral ideas about the way reality worked versus what the way you were taught it worked did it did it start with with kind of sexual uh not 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 your personal sexual sexuality but you said you were taking sexual health courses you're taking uh a human sex courses, right? Like it, learning about yeah, human sexuality. Um, yeah. and I was, t- um, God, I got like all the way up to, um, just a few credits away from a, a full on bachelor's in psychology and then switched oh. my major. Um, Oh yeah. wow. Okay. So, 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 yeah. so you were, you were getting told in these classes, um, and, and reading, all of the information on cognitive dissonance you were reading, you were reading about uh, everything having to do. And there I am as a Mormon thinking that applies to everybody, but me, <laughs> I have the one true religion. <laughs> oh fuck, man. That's intense, dude. That is yeah. intense. Okay. So, so tell me how these, these, these crumbles fell, man. You were, tell me how, I, how it fell apart. Oh, okay. So how it, how it fell apart. Uh, so there I am fully believing that I'm a sinner addicted to masturbation and I need, I need to cure myself so I can finally find my Mormon wife and have my forever happiness, you know? Um, so at this point I am completely fed up with my quote addiction and I remembered what my little brother had said about ayahuasca like four years prior. Mm. Um, it was like, it was like in my mid twenties that my little brother mentioned ayahuasca to me and I've got this weird brain that recalls like that. So I remembered, okay, ayahuasca. And then I started studying about ayahuasca and which got me studying about psychedelics. And then I found myself studying the effects I studied I poured through all of the literature and anecdotal stuff that I could find about um, 
psilocybin um, for a solid like month and a half before I decided, okay, you know, I've been told all my life to not ingest mind altering substances. I hadn't even had coffee yet. Oh my God. Dude. Not, not a drop, not a drop of alcohol, not even coffee. And I'm jumping straight to psychedelics <laughs> and psilocybin at that. Yeah. That's and psilocybin. Yeah. Psilocybin cubensis B plus. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, yeah. At this point, I'm also working in the tech industry. Um, I'm not going to say which company because That's fine. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Okay. So I'm working in the tech industry in the Silicon Slopes and I'm surrounded by people that are microdosing to improve their work performance. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's all around me. And as, and as I'm asking them questions about these compounds and stuff, they have like a wealth of uh, experience and knowledge to give to me. None of them were really like heroic dosers, but they like would give me all of their fun anecdotal um, experiences with microdosing and how healthy it had been for them. And so I, and I, at that point I was like, okay, it's really not toxic, toxic to the human body, nope. really well tolerated. Um, we, did you, and, did you, had you, had you read at that time that we, the reason it works so well is because we have the neurotransmitter receptors for the chemical compounds that are in mushrooms so our brains are kind right, of already exactly. formatted for that chemical composition yeah exactly so there i am thinking oh this is this is god you know this is this is god giving me the avenue to finally conquer my addiction i'm glad and your brain finally, worked that way i'm glad your brain worked that way yeah, and and finally move on from it. So yeah. I, I still did some due diligence research, though, and then finally uh, worked up the courage to ask a friend at work, like, "Hey, I, I know you, I know you got stuff. I know you got some stuff." And I was like, uh, "Can I buy some from you?" And he said, "No." I was like, "Fuck!" <laughs> but then he just like sat there and kept on looking at me, like expecting more. And then I was like will you give some to me? And he was like, yeah, sure. (laughs) 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 And so he gave me 3.5 grams of his Cubensis B plus, uh, that he was growing in his basement Mm -hmm. and, uh, from his own microdosing stash. And he was like, just, um, you know, if you're comfortable with it, like, let me know how it goes. Tell me, tell me what happens. Did you tell? Um, did he? T- did he give you any advice on uh, what you should do for dosage for your first time? Did he give you that warning? Hey, man, if you want five hours of your time gone, six hours of your time gone, <laughs> eat it all. Uh, like what he? How, how he did said. He- all he did was he said you should uh, look up ego death. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, that's, he wasn't wrong. No, no, God, no, not, and and imagine fresh virgin receptors. And, and so did you, did you eat all 3.5 grams your first time? Oh yeah. I'm a brave, I'm a brave traveler. (laughs) I actually, hold on, hold on. Beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. So, take me through this trip. What what happened to you? 
Oh God. We like, if I wanted to go into full detail on that trip, that, that might be a whole other podcast episode, Yeah, but I will give me some highlights. Yeah. I, yeah. I will give you the headlines, the sports um, center recap. Yes, absolutely. So I go home, um, to enjoy a weekend from work and I call up my buddy, Isaac. I'm like, yo, Isaac, I got this shit. Of course, I didn't say shit because I was still Mormon. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was like, I got the shit. I need a trip sitter. I want to go next to this lake and trip balls. Oh, you did outdoors and too. It started outdoors, mm. but didn't end outdoors. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, I looked up Lemon Tech and thought like, oh, yeah, that sounds like it's going to make the experience potent. And I got to beat this masturbation shit. So yeah, let's, let's go me. for it. Yeah, give it, yeah, give it, give it all to me. And so, um, he takes me to this lake and I have this lemon, this, this lemon tea mixed with psilocybin dust and I shotgun it down all at once. And then I'm sitting there on this rock and my buddy Isaac is just like, yeah, just, just give yourself to the experience. Um, focus on your breathing. And he's like walking me through some like basic meditation and stuff. Was he experienced traveler? Not at all. Oh, he had never done anything. He was Mormon too. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to Isaac. That's a bro. He's not more. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's a bro and he's not Mormon anymore. Good. So good. So anyway, uh, I, I like I shotgun it all down. 15 minutes goes by of this meditation and after 15 minutes, I'm not feeling any different. And I'm like, yo, I don't think this is working. <laughs> like nothing's happening at all. I feel completely the same. I feel completely normal. And he was like, uh, just, just give it, give it time. Give it time. Uh, like give it five more minutes. And so I'm sitting and then I'm sitting there on this rock and I'm like, ah. and I'm honestly getting bored. And yeah. I'm like, oh, fuck. What a, what a dud. I'm disappointed. And then suddenly the grass gets green and more green, more, and it's, it turns so, so green. I'm like, and then I started laughing. I didn't even know what got me laughing, but I started laughing and then I could not stop laughing. And I was laughing at just laughing. And I'm like, I don't, I can't control it. I looked at Isaac. I was like, I can't stop. And I'm like crying, laughing. And I'm like, I don't know why I'm laughing, but I can't stop. And then he's looking at you and your pupils are this big. And you're like, I don't know why I'm laughing. (laughs) (laughs) But then I I got, I started to get overwhelmed with all of like this, this increase in sensory. I could hear the ants crawling on the ground like 10 feet away. Yeah. And I was like, yo, Isaac, I, I, I need to get back to my house. Please take me back to my house. And I, and as we're walking down the road, I'm noticing that I could see like the bounce in my step in my field of vision, vision that like everything that is normally tuned out that your brain just the sensory that your brain normally tunes out. I'm getting all of it and amplified. Um, so I go, Oh, I was gonna. I was gonna say it's it's amazing because I I I love psilocybin. I've done it so many times. I am I oh, am good. a frequent microdoser. Um, I I have some in my freezer right now. Um, and we oh, it's it's been a ritual for Christmases past that me and my roommates and my girlfriend all get together. We have a we have a black Christmas tree. 
like like it's one of the fake Christmas trees, but it's not green. It's black, and we just hang silver and purple lights and ornaments off of it, and so it's just this cool, glowy purple shadow thing that exists in the middle of our room. Um, and we do mushrooms on Christmas, and that's there is a huge history for when Christianity and the Romans were spreading across and wanting to convince the pagans to become Christian. The pagans already had uh, solstice ceremonies that they would perform. They would give presents. Um, and there is a, uh, there is a mushroom genus called, oh, my, my, my brain is not remembering this type of mushroom, but it's, it's red with white spots on it. And it's, uh, anim, Animita muscaria. Yes, Animita muscaria. Yes, that is exactly yeah. it. And and it is a hallucinogenic mushroom that grows under pine trees in snowy mm-hmm. climates as snow starts to fall after the first freeze. And so they would <laughs> these these pagan religions would have Animita, Animita muscaria ceremonies around the solstice with red and white mushrooms and a man who would come and deliver presents. How about that? Uh, and yeah, that's. Yeah, and, and 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 so we we do mushroom ceremonies on Christmas now, and it, it's so been cool. it's been a yearly thing. And if you want to talk about like actually feeling a part of a family, actually feeling like you're you're sharing a spiritual experience with each other, um, oh yeah, group it can be so bonding. Group hallucinogenic mm-hmm. trips. <laughs> with music happening that everybody likes, coloring, drawing, art, like we just let everything just kind of come as it does, you know, and, and it, it, it is a truly like, it is a very bonding experience. Um, and we just treat, treat it once a year, kind of secularly, secularly, literally now. Gotcha, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, man, I, I fucking love psilocybin. It's it's great. Mm-hmm. Okay, so your trip, your you you tell me I have to go back to your house. Yeah. So I go we're on the way back to my house. I'm in his car and then when I close my I I'm getting these closed eye really interesting closed eye visuals where every time I close my eyes, I see thousands of eyes open up, pop open and look back at me and I'm like feeling intention from these entities and it's so independent of me and outside of me but and i'm like what the fuck and um so that's happening on the way back to my house and then uh we stop at my house and then my buddy isaac is like okay all right we're here you want me to help you in and i was like no I, actually and i'm also feeling that i need like the rest of this i need to be alone and i'm really glad that like i, I felt this intention from these whatever it was yeah um not to get all mystical and woo woo um but I, I like I felt this intention from these entities, and I was like, "No, I gotta, I gotta be alone for what's coming." And so I, I go into my house and then blast off. Like I feel the the sensory perception experience is such that I feel as like I've completely separated from my body, yeah, and that my consciousness is untethered from it and flowing to source, some sort of like source energy. Um. That's how I would describe it anyway. Yeah, 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 and, I'm, yeah. and I 
and I'm there like floating through the cosmos. My co- my consciousness is floating through the cosmos. And I remember thinking, I did all of this due diligence research and fuck, I killed myself. I'm dead. <laughs> I, I was 1000% convinced that I poisoned myself and died. The- and would would you go into the afterlife? Because I had I've had ego death multiple times. Um, the first time I also thought I died. Um, and it's funny now sitting back, and I wonder if you relate to this. the The you that died during that first trip. Do you think that that you that you envisioned you as is actually still dead? Yeah, that person's gone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So um, to make it like a lot of stuff happened in that trip, but to make it short, I I connect the sensory perception experience was I ego death to the point where I felt my everything that made me human and what I was before slowly just dissipate away until it's just raw consciousness and raw energy. And then when I became nothing, I became everything, a full like concert part of all of the conscious energy of the universe and while i'm in that state i'm like oh there's nothing wrong with masturbation (laughs) you're instantly fucking rock hard you're like yes (laughs) sorry yeah well and i remember like suddenly i zoomed back into my body yeah i'm like holy shit i'm not dead i'm i'm human i'm me again i'm anthony and i'm not dead and that was a huge victory moment and i was like okay i'm not dead but then still in that state and feeling connected to that like source energy i remember like posing i posed the question out loud like um like are you going to cure me of my addiction and then um the answer that came back it was I was talking. It was the answer came through me, but it wasn't my voice. It was some other voice. And it just said, all is one, all is connected, all is Mm -hmm. divine. I am, we are, all is God. And I was like, what? And and like completely departed from every concept of God that I had ever, I had learned in Mormonism. And furthermore erased my shame around masturbation and my sexuality and forced me to i wouldn't say forced me to accept it but i like in that state i was just like no there's nothing wrong with it it's it's part of being human it's part of me yeah and then after the trip i just like openly disagreed with my ecclesiastical leaders and just told them no i don't think there's anything wrong with this so so let me ask you this kind of more specific questions. So you, you have your trip, um, mm. on like what a Friday night, Saturday night weekend, uh, or was it during the weekend? weekend? Okay. Yeah. It was a weekend. Uh, um, yeah. so, so you, the next day you're obviously completely down from the effects of psilocybin, but your brain is still experiencing large serotonin and dopamine dumps from the after effects of your trip. Um, yeah. Do you then go, did you still feel like, well, I, I still got to go back to church, even though the trip had happened, or were you already done with that? Like, where did did you feel like it that? Didn't, it didn't make me non-religious right away. Okay, okay, um, okay. I was just like, okay, I like that. First off, I was like, that was 
hands down the most spiritual experience I had ever had and most mystical that I'd ever had. And, and I was like, easily trumps anything I ever experienced before in life. Can I ask you a question? Before this trip, had you had these pillars of experience that you told yourself you had witnessed God? You did, did you, you had, you had experiences, you know, I would imagine there were nights when you were in Brazil that you had experiences through trauma, but in those Mm -hmm. nights where you went, Oh my God, this, oh, Oh my God, like this is God. Did you have that? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I would say that I did. Cause like you said, uh, traumatic experiences and also the camaraderie with, um, fellow missionaries and, and members of the church down in Brazil. I, I think religion greatly, uh, one of the functions of it is without these exogenous substances inducing at least low level serotonin dumps. Oh, it, it definitely hijacks it, our reward systems. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I, I the, under the construct that was taught to me of how to discern truth within Mormonism, I had thought that I had absolutely achieved a witness of God. I have to tell you, <laughs> the way that you speak and, and, and the, 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 the language you use to elicit your, um, it is refreshing to my ears to hear someone speak about their actions with a scientific uh, approach and backbone. Um, you're using words that are conveying your experience without saying uh, epistemologically that that is the truth of your experience. Like, like I, I love oh, yeah. I, I love that you're speaking ambiguously enough to not be beholden to one experience as truth. Do you believe now as yourself? Because I I know the answer if I was to ask the Mormon you, but now, do you even think a hundred percent truth or a hundred percent knowledge of anything is even possible anymore? God, no, God, no. I I am. Um, I define myself as agnostic to basically everything. Uh, uh, you could even like. If you go into particle physics far enough, you can even deconstruct reality. So uh, to me, it doesn't make sense to be anything other than agnostic. Yeah. I mean, uh, if if Schwarzschild radiuses and entanglement is true, um, uncertainty, the uncertainty principle is the bounding thing to our universe. I mean, it's mm. th- there. You know, I, I'm, I'm at a point now where I would agree I'm agnostic to most things. Um, there are some things I accept as a brute fact about reality that if I had to label it as truth, capital T truth, I would probably label some things as a truth about reality. Um, uh, the laws of logic, I think, are an undeniable presupposition about reality, uh, non uh uh, identity, non-contradiction, and excluded middle. If you have to, if you have to say that we all start from some sort of reasoning platform, you have to presuppose the laws of uh, the laws of logic to then use logic to reason. So I kind of think that's a capital T truth. Um, there's some things that, as far as we can tell, gravity, the electromagnetic force, those are some capital T truths about the the fundamentals of our reality. Um, but there's not much mm. else that I can 
I can put oh, no. I can put a, a truth on um, more than experiential uh, partisanship to the the rest of my reality. Um, Absolutely, and and we like to define these uh, experiences with psychedelics as hallucination. Um, but when you really get into the science of it, like realize our entire reality is hallucination. We yeah. uh, we have these central nervous systems that are decoding the 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 stimulus and projecting this reality for us. Yeah, we're um, our brain is probably only actually monitoring roughly 40 to 50% of real time experience and, and overlapping mm -hmm. the rest with some congruence algorithm to tie all of these fragments of what's happening us together Absolutely. to make it seem it's, it's coherent. All hallucination. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's all hallucination. It's just which hallucination is more accurate. Uh, <laughs> and, um, also, yeah, that's that, that's an entire like. It's another conversation. I, I, I just yeah. want to ask one more clarifying question. Um, sure. you, you've said enough to, for me to really know kind of where you epistemologically stand. Do you think free will exists? As 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 libertarian free will, as define the way I would define it as, uh, given any given instance, we could have, if able to rewind, chosen something different. Do you think that level of free will exists? Um, I'm not sure if I, being completely honest, I'm not sure if I understand the question. Fully. Okay, okay. So uh, uh, let me ask a clarifying question. Are, so are you saying, do we have, are we, are you talking more in like a metaphysical sense? Do we really have free will or are things faded or. Okay. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not asking. It? I believe that in the way that people describe free will as I'm driving down the road and I can choose left or right at this stoplight. I believe mm -hmm. that we have that level of choice. What I'm mm -hmm. asking is on a de on a determinism level. Do, oh, is everything? Do you think? Determined. Do you think that you drive down a road, you come up to a stoplight, you could go straight, you could turn right, both will take you to your direction. For some reason, on that day, you choose to turn right because maybe you want to drive through the neighborhood versus versus miss a bigger mm -hmm. road because traffic may be bad right now. What I'm asking, if you rewound the clock back before that decision where every atom, every molecule, every other instance had all been rewound and then you press play again, do you think in that moment, every particle being in place a different decision can be reached in that moment. Ooh, okay. I think I'm grasping it now. It's like, uh, uh, what's that one movie about the time traveler? Um, there's a bunch. Where he goes back <laughs> yeah, that doesn't narrow it down at all. Um, but the one where he goes back in time to try and save his fiance. Oh, the, but the Tom Cruise one, the Tom Cruise one, the, the war. No, 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 time? No, it's oh. Guy Pierce. Guy Pierce. Oh, 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 shit. Um, the time machine. That's what it's called. Machine, yeah, the time, time machine. machine. Yeah. Yeah. He goes back in time to try and save his fiance, and then he saves her from dying the one way, but then she just gets hit by a carriage or something and right. dies again. Right. And so then he realized, oh, there's like some determinism here. I am not believing in determinism. I think if you could travel back in time and change the choice, I. I'm thinking. I'm, I'm well, believing that you could. Can, can, can yeah. I propose? Can I propose? Because this this fucks with me even now philosophically. Um, okay, I'll, it, I'll tell you why. Oh, I can give a justification as to why. But sure. go ahead first. Okay. okay first, let, let me give this. Yeah, I, I would love to to introduce this to you before you justify your decision. Um, sure. Uh, would you you under you understand um, 
dichotomies, right? Uh, yes. A, mm -hmm. a or not A are the only, if, if you're talking about a true dichotomy. Um, mm -hmm. so, so one could say, if trying to analyze the universe, that uh, the, the universe is either deterministic or non-deterministic. Mm -hmm. you, you, you either have everything is acting in a mechanism that is predetermined by molecular motion, or it's not. Those are the only two options. And so if you have a non-deterministic universe, that means randomness is mm -hmm. inherently a part of the universe, like completely random events, which explain a lot of the universe having randomness as a part of the universe. But mm -hmm. how could you ever, as a person interacting with molecules, where randomness is a, is a possibility, Say you have free will because then you could choose something and randomness would overtake your choice and make it not your choice anymore. Because it's if randomness is allowed in the universe, we can never have true free will because randomness could intervene in our will. I see the dichotomy there. That's really interesting. So, I have never... So, so if everything is deterministic, which is the other choice, then there is no randomness but we still mm -hmm. have no free will because everything is determined. So I, I like to say, I like to say we have will. Mm. Humans may not have free will in the libertarian sense as which we can choose to do anything because no matter how hard I choose, I can't choose to fly. I can't choose to walk through a door. Like there are things that you can't choose. So we're already limited in our amount of freedom of choice to only the things within the confines of reality that we can choose to act within. And then at that point, you're talking about molecular motion and, and uh, uh, laws that we don't understand how they're governed, which are quantum in essence. Um, mm -hmm. And then there's uncertainty principles that interact at those levels and we are made of that system. So, it, it comes to a place where I go, holy fuck, could I have ever chosen differently for any choice I've ever been faced with in my life? I had the will to make a choice, but why isn't that will enough to get me to the choice and then it is chosen? I, I don't know. I don't know. I just wonder how you, you know, what, where you had thought about this, where your brain. I, you know, I had thought that I had deconstructed a lot but i had not deconstructed the universe or reality to the level of finding that dichotomy yet but it does make sense and it is it's a beautiful it's a beautiful dichotomy that just gives us more questions yeah yeah well well <laughs> it answers more questions for me it kind of goes well holy shit it, honestly it it makes me feel off the hoop for a lot of my shit choices in life um, mm. uh, and to the fact that, uh, you, you didn't choose to be indoctrinated. Neither of us did. Neither of us didn't choose to be told, uh, masturbation or sex was wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, and if we were already forsaken those choices in our lives, then, uh, maybe the trauma is not our fault either. You know, like, 
it's 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 something that I kind of I I feel that when you're told you have free will, you inherently sit there in a in a dogmatic uh, hierarchy, a top down view of how the world works. Mm-hmm. You, you end up going, holy shit. I guess I chose that, even though I didn't think I made the choice. I guess it's my choice that I'm this way mm-hmm. because I'm, I, I'm, I am free to do another thing, but I'm not choosing it, even though I'm free to like, that's pernicious. That is, uh, mm. being told we're <laughs> free from a God who made everything, planned everything and predestined everything he knew it in advance before it happened. Like, I don't know. I've yeah. never had anyone answer that question for me. I, I remember having that question um, in my uh, indoctrinated years yeah. and even coming up with answers to that where it was just like, oh, yeah, like God knows everything that's going to happen. He put us here in the situations that we're in and already knows what's going to happen, already knows if we're going to attain salvation or not. But it's something that he can answer already, but we need to answer for ourselves. It's like, that's how I would justify it. I was just like, it's like a, you know, it's, it's like a teacher knowing that, Oh, this, this kid's going to get a B on this test, but that doesn't mean that, okay, let's just give him a B then. No, he need, he still needs to take the test and then earn the B. Yeah. But that's, 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 that's that, that, that exact line of logic is presupposing that he cannot not get a B. Yeah, exactly. Um, Isn't that so? There's nothing free about it. <laughs> yeah, and and what just God would intentionally set up their yeah. child to fail? Why <laughs> right. not change the circumstance? Right, right. Why did you? Not a, a why did he make you the person who had to live till thirty before uh, <laughs> accepting their own? physical anatomy and autonomy as something that's okay in the world right like that Mm -hmm. that's fucking pernicious and yet the same god that allowed that to happen to you but gave you everything else that you did succeed in and education and knowledge is letting five-year-olds in another country never make it past five like Mm. the same guy you know it's it's they they call it the argument from uh uh um the hard, the argument from hiddenness or the argument from um divine the argument from divine hiddenness is mm. is uh is a kind of fun philosophical rabbit trail to go down on uh an argument against how a god could exist is the argument from divine hiddenness on why would an an omni god be mm. hidden from the ones who need him the most and and discriminate on which ones and I mean, if he's all powerful and mm. all everywhere at all times, why is there a limitation to his power or why would he even discern it? Why, why does he hide from the ones who beg the most and then find the car keys for the ones who don't care? Like, right. Like, oh, that's something that I look back on. And I'm like, are I, I thought that I believed that God was so concerned about helping me find my car keys, but. You know, fuck the people starving in on uh, overseas in other was, continents. As a believer, was that a trouble for you? Was that it was 
Yeah. Did, yeah, it absolutely did, was. I was very dissonant about it. When, when you were when you were in Brazil, did you um how often were you sitting there looking at the people that you were supposed to be helping by giving the word to and watching them suffer and wondering like did did that at that time fuck with you at all? Like Mhm. Yeah, it did. Um it was you know, I, I was exposed constantly to people that uh, had less privileged privileged lives than I had lived, yeah. um, and good people too, really, really good people. And um, a lot of times, I'd be like, I don't know why I grew up in the United States. I don't know why I grew up enjoying all of the luxuries I did when I feel like these people deserve it way more than I ever did. You know? Yeah. No, yeah. I. I, I have Man, I, I struggle with I struggled with that one too. Like, but here's the like really un, insidious, unhealthy, like Mormon answer to that that was part of the indoctrination growing up, and that was, um, you know, in Mormonism, I was taught and was believing in a pre-mortal existence, a pre-earth yeah. spiritual existence, and. I was taught that, oh, you were, you must have been so valiant. You must have been one of the most valiant spirits because you got to be born in a Mormon family. Yeah. Fuck, that's so terrible. Think, Holy shit, yeah. dude. Think of the superiority, like white savior complex how, that, that would build up. How would, how would more, no wonder you wanted to join the army and be a fucking hero. Like, yeah. Like you were already like born, you, you were already born into the place with the hero with the skin tone that that made you the most worthy. Because thank God. Hey, w- by the way, were you told um, that it was like a when? So so obviously you were, you, I, you know, this is this may this this question may be hard for people to listen to, um, but it is a part of Mormon doctrine, which has always really bugged me. Um, mm-hmm. So you were told. You were obviously taught that that homosexuality uh, was a sin, um, mm. on par with murder. Oh yeah, homosexual homosexuals don't go to heaven in Mormonism at all. Not VIP Mormon heaven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, wh- what about black people? Oh, okay. Now that is one where if you go into the history of Mormon doctrine, because it has changed. Well, uh, Mormons don't believe it has changed, but it, it's changed yeah. and it's it's continued to change. Um, but that is one of those things. Now a Mormon would say, "Oh yeah, as long as a black person keeps their covenants and does you know checks all of the boxes and earns." And that's another thing about Mormons: they don't they they don't realize that they believe in earning your way into heaven. Yeah, um, yeah. <clears throat> but it was only oh, until God. the seventies that they were even allowed to hold any place in the hierarchy of bishopry right that's what i was going to get to yeah is before this uh what year exactly was it uh 1978 yeah before 1978 no black people don't get to go to uh, they don't they, certainly uh, black men don't get to enjoy all of the same privileges as white folks be, uh you know pre-1978 but um at uh, even earlier, you know, Brigham Young, who was the second leader of the Mormon church, yep. was horrendously racist oh, and did terrible. teach that 
Yeah, terrible, terrible, terrible. And did teach that um, black people would only be servants. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, isn't it Warren also happened. true, though, that even after the 78, uh, uh, um, not decree, but I can't remember the name they used for the the allowance of um, black people into be able to be a part of uh, the hierarchy of the church. Isn't it still, yeah. though, in all books of Mormon that they were intentionally made apart from white men in the like in your book? I mean, isn't that still in the book? So even though they're now allowed to be part of the hierarchy of the church, they still are being told they're they're different inherently from yeah. creation. Mm -hmm. Well, here's the thing. You and I now, we, we are in the realm of like logical thinking, like whatever out there woo-woo stuff we experience, um, like that's, that's really secondary, if not tertiary to just logic rooting right. everything into logic, right? Yeah, that's um, a great distinction. So, mm -hmm, but to an indoctrinated Mormon mind, they come up with some sort of justification. Oh, like a curse of dark skin. And, and then you'll get really poor Mormon apologetics um, where they explain, oh, the curse of dark skin, they're not talking about the literal pigment of the skin. They're talking about the countenance, things of that nature. Oh, that's they the just, apologetics they, for that portion. Yeah, oh. they, change, they just change the meaning. Oh, that's fucking disgusting, man. Mm. Um, okay, so your ego died. You finished this. <laughs> this mushroom trip, um, and now you have to, you're still a Mormon. You're still mm. going back. I'm to still a Mormon. And you're now you're starting to argue with bishops. And, and this is, this is during the pandemic though. Oh, so this, okay. Um, we're so, not having full church services. So in, I'm still in, meeting with bishops and sorry, go ahead. So just for a timeline, I, I'm, I'm actually not realizing it's this soon. So, Pandemic yeah. starts March of 2020, basically. At that point, mm. you still consider yourself a Mormon. A year and a half ago, right now, you consider I yourself had... that. Would you would you have called yourself a Mormon to a stranger in, the, yes. in March of 2020? Yes. I had had my first trip. Like the pandemic had just kicked off. I'd had my first trip. And I'm going around saying, I, I'm I'm Mormon. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh. You know? I'm I'm going around saying I'm Mormon, but I'm more and more shaky in my beliefs. What? So so homosexuality fell away first before the trip. Um, what kind of things started to crumble? What can you remember were some of the fun fundamentals in your epistemology that you went, oh my god, this is no longer true. Oh, this next rock fell of the ceiling. Oh, this is no longer true. Like, can you can you kind of give me a timeline of fundamentals and then kind of lead us to the the last thing you held on to like what was the what was the linchpin in that like the core thing that you believed that you finally let go of and it was gone do you remember i remember the linchpin i cannot track the very first like crumbling brick uh. um i can't track the fir the first time i experienced heavier amounts of dissonance because it, it does go back there right because i've always been pretty smart yeah talk um, us talk us post-trip the things that re like that was obviously the catalyst for the that was the catalyst so. for me to like really start thinking for myself because yeah. i 
and I had known this already before the trip, but um, psychedelics, you know, they suppress the default mode network of the brain. Yep. It looks like that's where all of the heavy indoctrination also goes. So, Especially if with, you learned it before 12. Yeah. And I learned a lot of bullshit before 12. So um, there I am with a suppressed default mode network and I'm able to actually like really absorb all of this, like probably a decade's worth of scientific research that I had done and actually be like, oh no, no, all of that makes sense. All of that makes sense. My religion doesn't though. And so I go on an entire month going around telling everybody, I'm more men. Yeah, I'm a member of the church. Yeah, yeah. And, and I just chalk it up to like, okay, well, I'm a progressive Mormon now. Mm. Uh, I, don't think, I don't think they have it all right, but I think the, the right stuff will be coming down the pipeline. I, I, I'm just guessing that the world isn't prepared the, yet or our leaders aren't prepared yet. There is, d- did you have the moment where you went, okay, there's obviously a large amount of human influence in our doctrine. There's obviously things had been changed, but there's a God that does still exist. That is the, the keeper of the holy. And maybe I don't need to rely so much on doctrine and written works from flawed humans, but just my, my spiritual connection. Did you move to that point? Yeah. I moved precisely. I moved to that point. Um, and was even feeling a lot of peace about it, feeling great about it, and even felt empowered because there I was thinking, I know that my ecclesiastical leaders are wrong. I even know that the like the leaders at the top are, well, if they're not wrong, they're not giving full details on things. Um, and so I felt like I had like, um, I felt like I had just like higher knowledge poured into my brain, and mm. that was empowering for. But then a month later, uh, I microdose on LSD for the first time ever. Um, I'm there thinking, you know, I had a. Fan- do, you, do you have do, what? What was it? Was it tablets, parchment paper, drops? How? How? Drops. Uh, beautiful, beautiful. Carefully measured out drops. Liquid. Yep. Love it. Good. Okay. Continue. Really great stuff too. I like. I. I'll admit. I started out microdosing and then I did a heroic dose and still to this day, one of my most enlightening and most joyful trips ever. It was just incredible. My, 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 my favorite LSD experience I ever had was heroic dose level. Um, in, in Alaska at, in a town called Girdwood, they have a thing every summer or they did in the day called forest fair. Um, and it's a two day music hippie event in the middle of Girdwood at the base of uh, Alieska that uh, they just have multiple stages, multiple music acts, people running around hula hoops and mud pits and just everything you would love. Um, And I went there with a few friends of mine. We went to do mushrooms, couldn't find anyone with mushrooms, kept haymistering people like, where are the psychedelics? And somebody went, hey, (laughs) this guy at the glass blower tent has LSD. It would be a glass blower tent. <laughs> yeah. And so we went to the glass blower and uh hey mistered him and he looked at us and went, All right, I think I can trust you guys. And uh <laughs> we he said it's really good acid and liquid drops on our thumbs. We lick it up and walk around licking our hands for a while. Uh and 
he goes, you know, he told us, Hey, I'm giving you a good amount. And all three of us after 45 minutes to an hour went, we don't feel like we, we, he said, he said, cause LSD does hit a bit faster than psilocybin. So we expected 15 to 30, maybe 45 minutes be feeling something. And we had nothing after an hour. And, we're, and so we went back to him we're like, Hey man, we know you gave us all drops. We're not feeling anything. We just spent this money with you. Like, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. We're just not feeling anything. He goes, well, I'm not giving you your money back. And we're like, well, fuck. And he goes, I'll give you each another drop. <laughs> and so it's logical. So he, another drop on our hands, we start licking, walk out of the, the thing again. And that shit stacks. And before we even had time to finish licking our hands, the first ones kicked in. And we're like, well, fuck us. Uh, and so <laughs> we spent we spent hours and hours in the woods walking around, listening to music, uh, everything just, just going balls. Um, and then we had to drive back to the peninsula from Girdwood. Uh, I was, of the three of us, the most admittedly probably sober of us. Um, and we were driving – which I do not recommend. And uh, <laughs> the mountains mm-hmm. going through Turnigan Arm, going up into the pass, like everything was. <sighs> Dude, it was just. I wasn't seeing a lot of hallucinating, but everything had tracers and everything oh. had hair and it was just flowing and the wind over the car was the wind over the mountains and it was just like i was in an abstract oil painting for a lot of it um like it was just this amazing time music was playing my buddies were laughing and then we almost hit a grizzly bear oh god wow it, it ran it we remember all three of us independently remember a grizzly bear running across the road and me having to like slam on the brakes so we didn't hit this bear. Uh, and then it just ran across the other side of the highway, which is normal for Alaska roads. But yeah. like none of us, the, here's the thing is we remember that happening, but none of us remember a single other car on the highway for the entire drive from Turnigan Arm to basically not possible. basically uh <laughs> Cooper Landing. Like that entire drive, we don't remember any cars. Like we were the only car on the highway, but we almost hit a bear. So what do we really know about that experience of our lives? What happened? Yeah, none of us know. Um yeah, LSD is a fucking <laughs> glorious mistress, man. That is a for yeah. I am not giving recommendations to anyone in the public for drug use. I am not no. a- administering illicit drug use. This is not a pre- uh, this is nothing about us saying it. But if you happen, but God, it's good. <laughs> if you happen to have been someone who has done psilocybin and thinking that LSD is this incredible mountain to climb over, uh, it's 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 not. It's not. It, like it lasts longer, but it's so much easier. Oh, it is a, the laughs aren't the same though. Psilocybin laughs are a motherfucker of a fun time. dude. <laughs> like LSD does not bring in the laughing m- mode for me nearly as much as 
psilocybin does? Well, for me, psilocybin is enlightening, but so visceral. It's usually very uncomfortable for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you, do you get a lot of gut interaction? Do you feel nauseous and get get that? Yeah, yeah. It, it seems to be strain dependent, but there's a lot of strains out there that really get that sort of visceral purging sort of trip for me. Yeah, that's that's that is actually the one thing about ayahuasca that actually terrifies me because I I would love to have a you know one I I do want to try I have not yet but I do want to try DMT. Um, uh, ayahuasca sounds fun because part of me DMT is is, is it? Have you done it? Oh, oh yeah. Oh fuck, man. Yeah, that's DMT the one. Care of you and soothes you. Uh, my experience with it, anyway, and it's very antidepressive in nature. Yeah, that, that that's what I've heard. Um, I'm I'm kind of a masochist. I, I enjoy a bit of uh, personal inflicted suffering. Um, I think there's a quality to the human mind that uh, benefits the mind from putting itself through that. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and so. To me, ayahuasca sounds appealing because I'm I'm taking this adventure to get the benefits of it, but knowing I'm gonna have 15 hours of purging and um oh God. you know, you know, 12 hours of puking and and heartache and and gut ache and headaches and 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 the end result is supposedly gr- fucking fantastic psychologically. Um, but I think part of it's because you really suffer. Yeah. It's it's Oh God. Yeah. I already have, um, a trip planned out to South America. Luckily I speak Portuguese cause I lived in Brazil for two years. I was going to ask how um, fluent is your Portuguese still? Are you pretty good still? Yeah, I can still, I, I could absolutely still converse. My accent has suffered and it's not the same fluency as before, but I could absolutely get around in Brazil still. That's awesome. Um, Hey, let me, let me actually, uh, pause this real fast. I got to run and pee and I want to grab one more beer and then we'll come back and how those stones. I'll fell grab in. a beer too. All right. I'll Sounds good. Be right back. And we're back. Okay. Per- per- beautiful. All right. So those stones, man, talk to me about, about them falling. Mm-hmm. All right. So after the first trip, I go a solid month where I'm like, okay, I got to figure this stuff out. I got to figure out what I believe. Yeah. And and it's really good timing, actually, because it's in the middle of the pandemic. We're not meeting at church houses and stuff. I, I've got I've got all of this extra time to just really dive into. Are are you in Colorado for the pandemic? Is that where you've been the time Utah. the whole time? Oh, oh, you were. I'm in, in Utah. I'm still in Utah at this point. Ah, okay, okay. Okay. Yeah, so I I own a condo in Utah at this point. So it's during the pandemic. I'm at home, just studying. I spent like a good solid month just going, finally, I'm just like, no, let's, you know, let's do some real independent research. And another thing that I'm noticing is that all of these people that were members of my church, ex-Mormons, all of these ex-Mormons seem to know way more than I do about the, the, like the history of my church. Um, And so I decide to dive deep on the history and the entire time I'm just adding to this cloud of dissonance. The more and more yeah. I, I dive deep independent research, I'm just like, okay, there's all of, there's the whole narrative that was given to me growing up and it sounds mystical and fantastic, but then there's this entire other narrative that is part of actual recorded history over there on in the East coast 
of all of the shit that this Joseph Smith guy was doing, running away from the law and being caught uh, in cases of like fraud and even attempted assassinations against Governor Boggs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and he he was a soothsayer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and so I'm like I'm reading all of this real history and realizing all of these things that I'm learning are completely reasonable and logical. And over here on the other side, it's, uh, but I'm still holding on. I'm just like, but you know, cause this is something that you learn in Mormonism. You're just like, okay. Uh, the adversary is powerful and wants to, de- wants to deceive the world. And it's literally in Mormon scripture. Even the elect will be deceived. Yeah. In the last can, days. can I, can I, I, I want to say that that is one thing that really, <laughs> that the biggest piece of t- PTSD I, and I, I did now, I don't want to overplay anything. I don't think I actually had real PTSD from my time with the Mormons because I, I was so, <laughs> I, I was so young and I was so still like in, in an explorative situation. Oh, cheers, by the way. Fucking a man. You can yeah, now cheers. you can now no longer feel ashamed for altering your brain chemistry. Congratulations <laughs> to you, sir. Um, Thank you. At least at least not be told you're shamed. You may still be working through some of that stuff, uh, but but at least oh, I've, I've been deconstructing a lot. I yeah, I'm okay with a beer. <laughs> All right, cool, cool. Um, uh, so yeah, I, I I was still in such an exploratory phase of trying to find out the thing that would save me, basically. Um, that I, but the adversary, like that, that is something that has stuck with me for quite some time, especially in the time where I thought hell was real. Uh, the, the corrupter was real. Um, it was a pernicious part of my, my actions as a young adolescent as well. Like, like, Hey, there's this other force. Uh, Can I, how did you reconcile at the time the fact that God was all powerful, yet something that was less powerful than him had so much control over you? Like how, how could an all powerful God allow the less powerful to have so much power? How did you reconcile? Yeah. Oh God. I, I couldn't. It just made me insecure. It made me feel really insecure. And also it made me feel like there was something wrong with me. Like, what am I doing to make me weak and make it to where God can't help me as much as he could? So there was there was a level of your weakness plus the power of the adversary that was the corrupting force. Like, it, you were in tandem with it, ver- basically. Yeah. Like if I could just be more righteous, then mm. God's Holy Spirit could, um, you know, uh, I even tried to almost switch to Portuguese there, and it almost said fortalecer, which is like God could strengthen me, mm. harden your heart, um, strengthen it. Yeah, like it, hardening the heart in Mormonism means like you don't listen to the Spirit. Oh, oh, well, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's true. That's true. So <laughs> you would, you would, I guess, I guess it's the same in, in, uh, European Christian doctrine, the hardening of the, the, the hardening, the heart of the Pharaoh, um, in yeah, the old yeah. Testament and, and, and was him not there, listening to, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I'm I'm there thinking that I'm not doing enough or being righteous enough to receive the full strength from God's spirit to overcome this, you know, harrowing sin and these darts from the adversary. Did you ever have the moment after your trip, after you, the, the the first use or maybe the first couple uses of psychedelic, when you were still struggling with kind of the the overall existence of a God, maybe not pure doctrine of of Mormonism, but a God existing still that like. Did, did you ever have it play with your brain where you were letting the adversary in because of the psychedelic use and that was something no that's 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 something that's uh not at all because okay, good good that uh, oh, the, the experience in that trip felt like such a connection and a Strong. I felt like I met God face to face, basically. Except God didn't have a face. God was just this field of conscious ed- energy. And you and you felt identical to that field. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. felt like there was no discernible difference between me and that. Right. And I suddenly felt way closer to God than I ever did before. And and, and would you describe it as like <laughs> like more real than any spiritual experience with? Yeshua with God. How did you refer to God as a Mormon? Was it Yeshua? Was it God? Was it, did did you Just have, God. okay, okay. There was no kind of other added. Oh, there, there were other, yeah, yeah. We're, we're going into deep Mormon doctrine. God, uh, so Mormons believe that God has a name and that his name is Elohim because in the Bible it makes mention of Elohim, right? And, and in the Mormon construct uh, in the construct of mormon belief um that's just okay that's that's god's actual name what um, how, but were you already post your post-mormon belief or pre-mormon belief when you found out that reformed egyptian no longer what wasn't real were you already uh, post-belief i was post-belief yeah when i found out that reformed egyptian was total bullshit yeah <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I if for people who aren't uh oh oh here's my other question. I meant to ask this way earlier before we got into your sure. your deconverting. Um had you ever watched South Park? I did and I laughed at it. And it was easy to cuz like when one of the most positive things I I still bring from Mormonism this day is being able to laugh at myself. Yeah. So I would watch these South Park episodes and I would even have like guys like you at school that weren't Mormon make fun of my beliefs and I would just laugh along with them. But it, it, it was more like, I'm laughing because you don't know. Oh, okay. I'm laughing with you because you're ignorant, but you don't know the real truth. I have like this ultimate truth, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But, but you had seen their, their uh, material. The their... Rock and yeah, dude. Episode. <laughs> the whole origin story, the real origin story. Like, <laughs> Like how ridiculous it probably actually was. <laughs> and, and, and so you as a Mormon sat there, watched that episode and went, oh yeah, but, my ass. but it's fucking true. Yeah. Wow. Um, I, I, didn't, I didn't take it seriously though. I really didn't take it seriously until I uh, started studying um, like New Hampshire history. Uh, yeah. Um, Missouri history. Uh, when I, like, I didn't even, I, I don't know if you know what the day nights were. Um, uh, the day nights, they were a European 
Uh, oh, no, no, no. This is No, this I'm is thinking of the Danes. Mystery. Sorry. No. Yeah. No, I yeah. don't know the Danites. So the Danites were like Joseph Smith's secret service and they would like go around starting shit. They would like, yeah, they would start skirmishes. They would, uh, there was like lots of strife between Missouri, the people of Missouri and the Missouri militia and the Mormons. So it sounds like Danites. that's like the Canaanites. But the Danaanites is that is that actually like a biblical reference with just the next letter in the alphabet changing it? Like, yeah, is I, that... I don't, I can't remember why they called themselves the Danites or what gave them that accolade. But I think it is biblical in reference. Maybe yeah. like the the tribe of Dan from the twelve tribes oh, of Israel sure, or something. Sure, sure, sure. Which, which still one of those tribes came over on wooden. Barge, um, wooden barge it, submarines. The, um, yeah, yeah, we, <laughs> yeah. That's. I mean, it's okay. Okay, I don't want to get off on a sidetrack. Um, I, I really do want to nail down uh, and get to kind of the last thing that broke, man. What was the straw that broke your camel's back? How? How? Because you you said you you said already that you um you started confronting your ecclesiastic elders with. With your questions, with your pro- right? there was confrontation. Not even, not even questions. I would just straight up tell them I don't agree. In, and I in would even church in service, like during the thing. How I, I remember, I got called into the bishop's office, and he was just asking me how how I was doing, and it was like well known that I was addicted to masturbation with all of my bishops. That I because it gets had. out of the the inner sanctum. Well, because I was always honest about it. You know, I was always honest and forthright about it. I would go to a new like congregation, meet my new bishop and be like, yo, this has been a thing. This has been a reoccurring thing. Well, they would have the Um, records if they wanted them anyway, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, so in that month, yeah, I, I wouldn't go to bishops with questions because I didn't see them as adequate to answering those questions. And at this point in life, I, like this is a year ago, age of this 12, is a year and a half ago. Like we're talking. Yeah. This is just a yeah. year. Yeah. Um, but from the time, I think from the time that I got home from my mission, I was respectful to my ecclesiastical leaders. I'm already a pretty studious and smart person though. And so I always like, if I'm going to be honest about it, I always thought I was smarter than my bishops. Mm. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I I I I get that. I get that. Um so it's funny. I I never heard of them called as I mean you referred to them the whole time as ecclesiastical. Um are we talking That's for are, general So are we talking about the the book Ecclesiastes from the the New Testament as where they come from? Is there some doctrine in Ecclesiastes where they are or why did that name transfer over? Do you know? It's actually a uh... Once again, a colloquial. Collo- I've got to look up the actual, colloquial. I, I, colloqu- I don't know why I'm struggling so much to pronounce. I've used this word before. Uh, colloqu- colloquial. Colloquial. I'm missing the W. That's wheel. Why I'm just, yeah, colloquial. Yeah. Colloquial. So, um, ecclesi- ecclesiastical leader is like the colloquial, like the colloquial term, even in, you know, uh, secular speech where it's just ecclesiastical meaning religious so oh, religious oh interesting leader. interesting okay i hadn't i just hadn't heard that term um cool cool so so the 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 straw the straw so i i 
I'm showing up and having these sort of pretty dangerous conversations with bishops where I openly, like I sound, I'm sounding more and more apostate and just saying, yeah, you know, I know church leaders say, no, it says in this booklet here that I'm not supposed to masturbate, but human sexuality, science, um, hormones, this is completely natural and human. And I'm sorry, I just don't agree. Mm. I don't see it as sin. Like, but you know, like we're striving towards perfection. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think this actually takes away from perfection. According to my paradigm, this doesn't take away from my quote perfection. Um, and so I'm already becoming more unruly. And then on top of that, I'm doing this, all of this extra independent research and actually checking back and forth between what my religion says and like the history that is recorded in these different states where the, the religion was first founded. Um, and then I'm finding all of these problematic themes and everything on one side of history makes total reasonable sense and is completely logical and human. And then on the other side, it's hard not to see like loads of human influence and cover-ups. Um, but I'm still hanging on basically out of paranoia, basically sunken cost fallacy where it's just like, what if I'm wrong? What if I'm wrong? And then also, I've already given so much to this. So right. absolute sunken cost. Um, and then I start microdosing on LSD. Mm. And I'm at work and I microdose. And this LSD that I'm microdosing on is really good. It like it provides this mood uplift, creative thinking, absolute like boost in just perceptual uh, acuity yeah yeah but also like um even though it was supposed to be a microdose i took just enough apparently to suppress the default mode network of the brain such that i was able to objectively look at my form of beliefs sort of from the outside in wow. and then it just fell all at once and i was like it's total bullshit oh all you had bullshit. a wall falling moment where yeah, all at once. So a month later, I microdose on LSD and then have the wall completely fall over on me. And I realize that it's all complete garbage, all complete bullshit. And I'd been lied to my whole life. Holy I fuck, went from man. Mormon to not Mormon in that instant. What? At work. Like you're in the middle of. At work. Holy shit. I have coworkers. I have coworkers that clearly remember it because I walked up to them and, and said, I'm not Mormon anymore. What does wine taste like? Holy fuck, dude. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in, in that moment, it had to have just felt like free fall. Like what is going to fucking cat? What? I can't, I can't even, cause my realization came from watching, have, have you ever watched any, um, atheist experience or talk heathen on YouTube? Have you ever watched any Still of it? Still no. Still okay. no. All right. It, every Sunday there are programming on YouTube. Um, it is ran by the atheist community of Austin. Um, oh, cool. uh, they are a very large secular community. They've now created, many TV program or TV viewing programs. So there's, there's the atheist, the atheist experience, which has ran for almost 20 years. 
Um, it's a it's a live call-in show, and they've been running live and call-in for 20 years. And atheists and religious people alike from all call in to talk about what they believe and why. Um, and then from mm. that sprouted a great programming called the Nonprofits. Um, they talk about all things kind of secular. There is Talk Heathen, which is another kind of atheist experience type call-in religious talk show. Um, there's a new program mm-hmm. called Sex- Secular Sexuality, which is a, a program specifically about deprogramming sexual baggage from religious trauma. So all it is is talking about kinks, kink shaming, masturbation, sex, poli- I mean, a- a- everything that has to do with p- sexual baggage. It's a fantastic show if you, if anyone listening is hung up on anything still um, from religious trauma about sexuality or their own human bodies. This is a, it's a great show, man. I, I, I don't know. If anybody wants to look it up, look it up. It's fantastic programming, yeah. man, and it, and it, and it does, and it and it's, uh, it's all nonprofit. Uh, all donations go to Secular Coalition for America, Freedom from Religion Foundation, um, which is ffrf.gov, um, Secular Coalition for America.org. Um, all of these places are joinable. I mean, there's just so much atheist secular outreach, man, and. And I, and uh, for Amazing. anybody out there listening and struggling that maybe wonders where they're at, um, yeah, this is there. There are programs out there. There's even there's even um, a a therapy uh, program through th- through the Freedom from Religion Foundation called. <sighs> Come on, brain. The thing is, I'm probably actually friends with these people because of my, you know, TikTok experience. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to I want to get to is so you went on TikTok pretty soon after you deconverted, correct? Oh, yeah. So like I had the wall fall over on me. I didn't know whether to be sad or happy like at one point like cuz at the same time like I was mourning and grieving cuz 30 years, 30 years. Well, uh, can, can I can I ask what, you you were t- I'm sorry dude I, I do not mean to cut you off but there's so many sure, things sure. that I want you to talk about that I've I've heard from from people's <laughs> stories um you had been told that everybody in your past who had died or lost ones that you would see them again right like yeah yeah be with so, them again and so you had you had a level of grief. if I was worthy well right but you you had a level of grieving that you did once because you lost them but you thought you would see them again. And then once you realized none of it was true, you had an entire second level of grieving for every yeah, loss so that you thought was protected by God, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, suddenly I had to like just dive into the world of uncertainty and um, Gnosticism, yeah. basically. I yeah. like, yeah, I, um, I have many atheist friends that wouldn't claim me as atheist. I, it kind of changes on a given day because I am believing in like, I, I think um, it would be just as like the idea of um, discounting uh, like something more being out there, I think would be just as foolish as trying to say that 
there's a white man in this guy sure, with a beard. Sure. So so let you know, I guess for a caveat and also maybe explanation, mm. um I would I I I distinguish agnosticism and as and atheism as two separate identities. Um mm-hmm. one has to do with belief, the other has to do with knowledge. So agnosticism mm-hmm. or Gnosticism has to do with what you know. Do I know yeah. this to be true? Do I know this to not be true? Um, and theism or atheism is either the belief in a God or the lack of a belief in a God. Um, I lack do, of yeah, so I, I don't think of atheism as the affirmation, the positivity that no God exists. When I say mm-hmm. I'm an atheist, if if you wanted me to be pedantic, I would say I'm an agnostic atheist. I would say I I do not have the knowledge that a god either exists or it doesn't, but I do not believe yeah. that a god does exist. I have been presented with no ex no no example of any type of evidence that would convince me of one, but I do not mm. posit the truth that no gods exist. I, 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 I'm not a positive atheist. I, I, I'm just atheistic in the fact that I lack the belief in the gods presented. Um, and the more definitive the definition of the god gets, the more towards certainty I can get in the disbelief in that god. Y- you know, the more claims you make about the god, the more, the more claims I can refute, and the closer to certainty I get. But it, it. For me, atheism is the same as, okay, do you collect stamps? No, I don't. So, you're a, so you are saying you're a non-stamp collector? I am a non-stamp collector, yes. D- does that mean you believe that no stamps exist? I see, where you, I see what you're saying. No, it, it, no. Of course, of course. So it's, I'm not making a positive thing that I'm against stamp collecting or that I just don't collect stamps. In the same way, I don't believe a God exists. Like, I just. I I guess I will say that I'm atheist because I don't venerate a God. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And like what other people call gods, I refer to as possibly extra dimensional entities. Yeah. I mean, that's. See, and that's the thing is as soon as you say extra dimensional, you're talking about naturalism. And if there are yeah. things, if there are things within the natural world that I don't understand, I'm fine with that possibly existing because it's within the natural yeah. world. I'm 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 a method methodological naturalist, meaning mm. I, I I'm I'm I don't suppose, I don't presuppose that all that exists is the natural world. But I have no evidence that something supernatural, post-natural, exists. Mm -hmm. So if there is some higher form entities or anything multidimensional above our own four-dimensional existence that does exist, it would still, to me, seem necessary to fall within the natural explanation of the world. I don't see – I mean – as soon as you say that something supernatural exists, you have to then create a mechanism of detection to talk about the way that mm-hmm. you could understand it. And if you're using a natural mean 
to detect something supernatural. The thing you're detecting now is natural because you're using a natural mean of detection. So I don't even, people who talk about, I, I, I honestly don't even understand the actual epistemological definition of what supernatural could even define. I mean, it's it's the way of talking that something exists before time. Existence is necessarily temporal. So if you mm-hmm. talk about something existing, it has to have a time frame of it existing. If you talk about post-time or pre-time, I don't even know how existence could happen if you can't quantify the amount of time it existed. Like I don't I don't know that doesn't work in my brain. Yeah. It's the same as supernatural. I don't know how you could have something non-natural that yet interacts with natural that we can detect with natural means yet it's not natural i you know i don't i don't know yeah if if it's something that can't be measured or it's if it's something that we can't test using the scientific method uh it's it's not of a high amount of utility to me when it comes to uh how to relate to other people like i i would actually say that i have my own spiritual i'm not really i'm not going to get behind theism altogether i would say say that i have my own yeah i could get behind deism the 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 notion that uh, there maybe is a higher power that it that puts something into existence put things into motion but is relatively unconcerned about it yeah yeah i mean i mean it, it would be the prime creator started the bang yet doesn't care who we have sex with yeah yeah, yeah, I could be down with that. <laughs> you know, in, in in that reference, I could, I could honestly care less if it was true or not because how could I tell the difference? Mm-hmm. Like, like for me, the amount of care I go into a belief or not has to do with the amount of interaction in my personal life it it exists in. So, if there was a deistic god that instantiated the creation of our present location of the universe. And then quit paying attention as soon as uh, nuclear fusion started to happen. Um, I, I could care less if it existed or not because it, it it is no longer relevant in life, right? So, yeah, and and that's the thing. Like I have, I I've even told friends, yes, I I have my own religion, but it's private. No one else is invited. Fuck you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that's beautiful. Um, yeah, that's kind of where I wanted to turn the conversation, um, is as sitting here as, as post me, I should say you, (laughs) yes, yes. I'll edit out the first one. So it's just, um, um, so that's kind of where I wanted to go is you spent, you spent the majority of your life, I mean, literally 95 to 98% of your existence on this planet as a religious, spiritual, God intervenes, um, pers- he, is, he is interested in my personal life existence. Yeah. And now you're mm-hmm. living, you've lived less than a tenth, less than a... <laughs> I mean, man, you've lived such a short amount of your life as someone who doesn't have an, a overarching designer as part of, as, as a conductor of your life. Um, one, how do you find solace now? How did you end up finding solace in your existence? Cause I know a lot of people, um, 
end up saying, oh my God, there's no point to life. Where does, where does purpose come from anymore? Um, and then the other mm-hmm. kind of side to that question is, um, how have you been able to procure happiness and have you found it actually easier now? Like, so maybe talk to me about where you were, how you dealt with purpose in life and then how you deal with deriving happiness, uh, now as Mm -hmm. a post Mormon, um, what, what, what's the slang term? A, a, not Exmo, um, a, a, a nomo. Ex-Mormon, Exmo. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, I, 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 I heard someone say a nomo, not Mormon, nomo. Like I'm, I'm nomo, uh, not Mormon. Uh, well, there's, there's also the term never Mormon oh, because you know oh, you make, yeah. you leave the, you leave the, the high demand religion behind. Um, I ended up making a lot of fellow ex Mormon friends, but then you, and so then we have to like when you make other friends and we're all making our ex Mormon jokes and stuff, and there's somebody that's like kind of out of the loop. That, it's like, oh, they're a never Mormon. They don't get it. <laughs> interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Talk to me about how you drive happiness now, man. Talk to me about that, 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 this. Yes. So this is, this is a pretty interesting topic for me because I, like, I stopped, um, really, I, I, I really looked into a lot of the history and the problems with my religion. And then after, like, the wall came crashing down, I stayed on that train for a little while. And then it was like, okay, what am I going to make my life now? I can't just be hung up on, oh, my religion was wrong and lied to me for 30 years. What am I going to make? What am I, how am I going to define my life going forward? What, yeah, what do I believe? Do I need to believe anything? What I've come to is, no, I don't need to believe anything. And that's pretty liberating to let go of the need to believe something. Oh, it's wonderful. It's yeah, wonderful. Yeah, yeah it, it truly is wonderful. The world got huge right away. I, and I've looked into Buddhism. I've looked into different forms of meditation. And anyone leaving high demand religion, go to therapy. Go to therapy right away. Please. Right? Like, um, the Secular Therapy Project is out there it is free you 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 just call there are people standing by to give non-religious explicitly non-religious therapy therapy device over the phone for anybody that's struggling with deconversion it's through the through recovery from religion the secular coalition for america freedom of religion foundation any of those will link you to secular therapy project and um it's free so check mm-hmm. it out Oddly, it seems like when it comes to uh, belief or life philosophy, oddly, the thing that has given me um, the most peace is nihilism. I'm a fairly I'm a fairly nihilistic person. Interesting. Um, but but here's here's where I go with it. Uh, according to nihilism, there there's no like overarching meaning to just anything. There's yeah. there's no no meaning to life. So I like really as a thought experiment waded into that, like everything is meaningless. But then I was like, but if everything is meaningless, I get to choose what has meaning to me. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's where I'm at currently. Um, Can I offer you humanism? Humanism. Um, Yes, you may uh, dive into it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, humanism like humanism is the the construct that puts uh human well-being toward the top 
of moral consideration as humans participating in society on the planet. It does not say or make a proclamation that is it is the most important thing. Um, mm. It it co-equals nature and nurture along with. Yeah, I, I was going to say like we're destroying this planet. So oh I yeah, hope yeah, that's yeah. It, no, in. oh it, it it humanism absolutely um, co-authors nature because we're a part of nature. We are no more distinguished from nature than you could make a seahorse different from a fish. I mean, we are we are intrinsic to this planet. Um, and it co-authors us with it. It says we're a part of natural development. And um, but what it does specifically that I find great is it is it puts all humans equal on the same platform of consideration. It it does not allow dogma. Mm. It does not allow dogma, societal class, anything like that to be a any mechanism of discrimination of worth. Um, you know, and it doesn't hierarchic hierarchically divide us from the rest of the planet. Um, and mm -hmm. and and it's derived off social science and well being. So if 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 humans in themselves can describe that the thing that we actually care about is well being and the negation of harm, um, and as long as we presuppose that as good. Uh, then there is objective morality to be found within humanism, and I even I even affirm the positive stance, and I will defend the positive stance that humanism in itself um, is more moral than any religious doctrine that can be presented as mor morality, a guideline of morality for humans. Uh, humanism is there. There are there are humanist doctrines. Um, there are things that kind of sit there and try to make it religious, religious feeling because a lot of people uh, from uh, high intensity religious backgrounds uh, wanting a lot of personal involvement in that religion feel like they lost a community of people, like they, like they, mm. like leaving religion, uh, dogmatic religions. Um, you also lose the, the 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 support systems, and so there's a recognition that maybe there's a, a, a there's a recognition that humans a a portion of humans mental uh, networking requires a tighter form of familial feeling for them to feel good. Or interconnectedness okay right so um there are a lot of humanist groups man oasis is a giant nationwide humanist group that exists all over the country um oh wow there are there are atheist humanist secular church services that people can go to that are all about profit uh not profiteering um um uh um oh god what's the word it starts with a p um. Uh, God. Uh, my my brain my um. Giving giving <laughs> what's, to people what's the, what's giving the, to people helping people. Oh, philanthropy. Uh, philanthropy. Thank you. Um, yeah. not profiteering. Philanthropy. Philanthropy. <laughs> uh, 
Um, yeah, but the uh, opposite. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, um, but but hum- humanist groups—they exist all over all over the country. They are made to for the people who want community but don't want religion to get together and do better for the communities they're in, do better for the people around them, support groups. Um, man, they exist all over the place, and uh, you know, a lot of people ask, "Well, I've left religion. Now what?" Where's my group? Yeah. Where do I go? What do I do? Um, the the humanist, secular, atheist groups exist all over the country. There is the atheist group, the the atheist group of Portland, the humanist, the humanist society of Portland. If you're in this group, I, I'm sure in Colorado there are atheist and humanist societies all over the place. Um, it just it provides a great a great avenue for for humans to share in community and non-dogmatically help each other like it's it's cool sounds like everything that religion could uh could have been (laughs) if the god that writing if the god that writing it would have actually been moral um yeah he would have oh god and that's that's another fun topic of conversation is like going through and deconstructing all of like everything about the Christian God that I knew and realizing, wow, what a narcissist. Mm-hmm. I, 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 what an immoral narcissist, a thug, a literal thug. Um, yeah. I, now I, I'm not, I'm not as versed in Mormon theocracy. Um, and as much as I am in, in Eng- uh, European slash English Christianity, um, yeah. their theocracy, but yeah, I, I enjoy lots of conversations about trying, you know, I ask, I ask Christians quite often when I'm having conversations with them, um, uh, you guys say that, you know, Jesus said lots of good things in the Bible. Tell me one actual good thing that you can prove Jesus said in the Bible. Like you have reports, mm-hmm. you have lots of reports that he said things, but show me the proof that he actually said those things and that they were good when he said them. Like, yeah, y- and you they're know, all non, it, not eyewitness accounts. And the yeah. earliest one was recorded 60 years after his death. Understand. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Where, where can you go to even stand on a leg to say that he was the Prince of peace when he said, if you don't have a, if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, that was, that was in, that's in red in the bible like like that's what jesus said uh you yeah. know so yeah i don't know man um what where so so let's 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 end on this my actual my phone's getting low battery so i'm not gonna have much longer on here um what's your message now where are you at where are you headed what do you want to pass on from your experience from from this where do you want your people who follow you to listen Ooh. who what's your message i i guess um my overarching message that i would convey would be you know like because the deconstructing didn't stop with just religion yeah. i i started constructing everything society government social constructs um yeah. and it's, uh, so much of it i look at it and it's like wow this is all insane and i think that it behooves us as the human race to start collectively doing that and realize that we could aspire to more easily yeah, i agree I, I i guess i shouldn't say easily but we could we could aspire to more 
Um, so yeah, just always be questioning. Don't be afraid to ask questions. I love going through thought experiments where like one of the, oddly, one of the most fun thought experiments for me was really entertaining the idea of just full cessation of existence, just lights out theory after you die. Done. Yeah. Like going through that thought experiment. That was actually really fun and interesting. Can I have you really fast um, give? Because when, when I think when the lay person, um, non philosophically trained, because uh, you're taught to, 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 to necessarily drive a thought experiment to its logical conclusion, um, mm. past discomfort. And I don't think that the layperson necessarily understands what it means to perform a thought experiment. From someone yeah. who is who is collegiately trained, could you provide maybe a description of working through a thought experiment past discomfort to logical conclusions while I pee real fast and I'll be right back? Absolutely. Thank you, sir. So, yeah. Um the way that like so the way that i take to a lot of thought experiments is uh fully entertaining and immersing myself in that reality um making that um my reality and then seeing it through you know as best as i can suspending all bias um and as Aaron stated, seeing that thought experiment through to its logical conclusion. Um, so, for example, uh, I'll just use it because I mentioned it before, the lights out cessation of existence theory. Okay, so I really, what I, I, I thought about that for hours, thought about what that does for me. And what I found was the uh the logical conclusion that i came to really entertaining fully that reality setting aside the discomfort was that every moment becomes more precious every moment is it need like it there's so much more importance to be present and fully aware of just all of the great things at every moment and because what if this is all the existence that i have um and then really leaning into the, into this the the discomfort of okay cessation of existence what do i remember what it, what could i best approximate what that phenomenon would be like well i don't remember what existence was like before birth so at worst i go back to that is it terrible no it's just not existence yeah. i don't remember what it was like before i was born <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and and why would you want to think? And why would you want to think that after you're dead, you will remember what a cup of coffee's like? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but um, what it really did for me, like entertaining fully these thought experiments, like fully entertaining the reality and allowing allowing myself to sink into it, and as best as I can, let it be my reality. Um you end up walking away from these thought experiments with surprising things of utility. Like I didn't know that meditation was going to be, become so much more important to me when I really entertained the thought of what if there isn't anything after this? Yeah. Do you, do, do you practice that, mindfulness for Pasana? What kind of meditation? Uh, most, yeah. Mindfulness. I, I will focus on 
just emptying my vessel. Um, if any intrusive thoughts come in, that's that's a given. That's going to happen. They um, come up, you sh- recognize them. They come out of your mind as fast as they came in, right? Yeah. And then learning to bring the focus to just one thing, whether it be a sound or a mantra or even just feeling the palms of my hands or mm. or feeling um, my heartbeat um, and focusing on that and then learning to bring my foot like hone in my focus and then and i and then i would learn to do that before jumping into different thought experiments yeah man Mm -hmm. it's it's hard work it it doesn't come easy um deconstruction finding that flow of life finding utility in a permeable existence um is is not easy but I agree in the fact that fruits to be born from the mind, from the from the mental work, the gymnastics that it takes to get past nihilism to uh, some sort of some some sort of uh, interpretation of reality that makes humans' lives intrinsically valuable, whether or not it was given upon high that value was given there is a value there once we determine what it means to have value i mean you know we the uncomfortable truth is 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 without a dogma without a god divining something we still have to pre presuppose uh, truths about the world and Mm. when it's just you no longer have to go, well, I have to presuppose something that I can't prove exists said this is true. Now I just presuppose mm-hmm. this is true. You're getting rid of a step of complexity. You're getting rid of a, a an unfalsifiable unknown about reality to the point where you can, you know, my presuppositions are fairly demonstrable. Um, and... It would take quite a bit of exercisable work to uh, falsify my presuppositions about the world. I don't have many, but if they were falsified, then I would realize I was wrong and only have to alter my presupposition, not have to alter the framework of existence. Yeah, (laughs) you know, less of a harrowing task. Yeah, yeah. Man, so uh, yeah, where do you want to leave this? Where do you think this this ends for you? Because because this is part one of our conversation. We are coming back and we're doing this again because I think there was oh good. <laughs> we, we've been we've we've you and I have talked for almost three hours, and we've only covered no kidding. Yeah, wow. Yeah, I'm my clock time on my recorder is two hours and forty two minutes. So. This is just the beginning of a conversation between you and I, man. I think there is so much to uncover. I think we could go into specifics about dogma. I think we could go into philosophy. I think we could choose an entire hour, two hours on just free will. I mean, I I think that there's a lot that you and I can uncover about our journeys. Um, So yeah, this this is not the end of you and I doing this. All right. Uh, I love it. I guess I'll just leave it with stay tuned. <laughs> well, well, I, for, for someone, imagine mm-hmm. there's a person sitting there listening right now who is 
dogmatically raised in fu- in a fundamentalist type religion this kind of the same way you were um uh in maybe maybe fundamental in their beliefs not that the religion itself is extra dogmatic but the the the, the way that mm. they were taught to believe it is and they're struggling with their belief where would you what would you leave to somebody in that position um who's wondering where to go what to check how how to start assessing where where they're at in belief how would you leave someone man ooh i actually have a very specific answer for this um that is start asking yourself useful questions questions that actually have utility questions that can't start with the questions that can be answered mm. um and lean into the discomfort yes maybe your religion is true maybe it is um i don't think so but um <laughs> yeah i uh I yeah lean into the discomfort is the mm-hmm. is the biggest thing for me um whether you're a Christian, whether you're a Mormon, whether you're um, Muslim, Hindu, Buddhist, it whatever it is, go into your doctrine, find the most uncomfortable, the most uncomfortable verse, the most uncomfortable rule, the thing that makes you go, why would my God? leave this here for me Mm. and try and answer that question without appealing to the same book that gives that thing. Because as soon as you look to the same book that gives you bad directions for good directions, you are, Mm. you are inherently being circular. Mm. That is a, that is Mm. a logical fallacy. Um, Mm. And you cannot prove a book with the book that the claim is made. You have to use an external source for your proof. It's completely erroneous. <laughs> so, so oh. oh yeah, please. So useful questions, questions that you actually can answer. And then leaning into discomfort. Um, one other thing that um, I, I like, I make, I've, I've made inherently part of my process or, or, part of my questioning, especially when I'm talking to Christian folk yes, is yes, like, okay, yes, yes. ask yourself useful questions that can be answered and don't, yeah, don't just use one source to answer that question. I, I agree fully. But then also if you're, do you, do you have questions? And if you don't, what does that say? Uh, like, yeah. you could, like, it's really odd, I would say, and very arrogant to not have questions. Yeah. If you're a Christian and everything that you think, no matter what it is, God agrees with you upon, uh, is he the God of everybody? Because you disagree with your best friend. So if you and your best friend are both Christians and you guys disagree on some things, yet God completely agrees with you. Do you think then your best friend thinks that God disagrees with them? Or do they think that the same God you both believe in also agrees completely with them, yet you both disagree? Someone's wrong. Start start mm-hmm. answering those hard questions. If you guys have an argument about whether Mexicans are allowed in this fucking country, and you both 
disagree on that, and yet you agree that God is has the best interests in heart for both of you. Um, one of you's wrong. <laughs> start st- start as- a- asking those fucking questions because they're tough. That or your God is really two faced. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then he's not an omni God. He if 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 your mm. God has two different answers, then he's not an omni. Then he no longer mm. is our all powerful. Then he needs qualifications for his power. Qualifications for his power. Then what are those qualifications? Uh, what are the mechanisms at which he can administer his power if he's no longer all powerful? It it really degrades, man. It, it falls downhill as soon as as soon as someone wants to stand in that discomfort, just like you said, uh, ask the hard mm. question. Uh, hold, yeah, dude. And if yeah, if one doesn't have questions, I think that says more about that person. Yeah, than the belief. Yeah, mm. yeah, exactly, dude. Thank you so much for coming on this today. Uh, this three hours went by fucking incredibly fast um yeah like half an hour (laughs) yeah yeah we're we're coming back we're doing this again maybe we get into a little more specifics um now that you covered kind of the story maybe we get to things that were harder for you to wrestle with maybe we get to things now that you're struggling with now as as a disbeliever um questions about nihilism questions about free will let's let's I'm I am interested in having that conversation with you and digging into really deep philosophical uh ifs and oughts. Like let 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 let's not let's not just talk about what is, let's talk about oughts on what we ought to do and maybe maybe more maybe maybe ethical questions as well as morality questions. Um dude, this is thank you, bro. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Uh, and for all of you out there listening, if you're struggling with belief, this is a place that you can turn. You can email me. Uh, can they email you? Can can people reach out to you if maybe they're a Mormon struggling? Can people reach out to you? Where's mm-hmm. where can they go? Your Instagram. Plug plug yourself. Plug your Instagram. Plug your TikTok. Uh, plug yourself. That way people yeah, can find I'm, you. I'm actually not a huge. I've never been a huge social media guy, but um, I, my name is Truth Spinner on TikTok. I named myself very ironically. Truth Spinner. Um, yes. Yeah. So I, yeah, Truth Spinner. I, I only tell the truth, but everybody thinks I'm lying. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. Um, and then um, just look for so, more here, guys. Look for more here. Yeah. You said you said you would. Uh, share this out there so people can find it. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping to get some of my audience uh, over here. Involved. At least some of them. Well, well, you know, I, I, I want to have more of these conversations. There's a bunch of people that I learned how to be skeptical from how, where, where epistemology is good to come from. Um, there are people that were found fundamental. Oh, and I want to give a quick shout out to Christopher Hitchens. Uh, he died on December 15th, 10 years ago. Today is December 18th. So we're three days past his 10 year anniversary of his death. If, if you have not heard of Christopher Hitchens, research, listen to, he is so profoundly recorded. His writing is amazing. He is an exemplar of the English language against dogmatism. Um, Christopher Hitchens is a shiny example of where the 
where the outreach of the mind is most fruitful. He wrote, he wrote for Vanity Fair forever. He's been a writer since the 90s. He wrote God is Dead. He wrote so much good shit. He's been dead 10 years. I found him, unfortunately, after his death in my deconversion from Christian faith. Um, I had found him once he had already died, so I missed the fruit of his labor. Mm-hmm. But, but if you haven't heard of Christopher Hitchens, man... Go find that man because oh. he was a power, yeah, powerhouse and hugely skeptical thinker. Wonderful, absolutely. I I yeah. couldn't imagine the no type of dis- the the type of discourse he would be having today, mm. and, and what he would have oh, yeah. to say about both the left and the right in our country today, um, about what truth means. It's. It, I can't imagine. Anyways, um, that is that is it for me. I'm Aaron Singleton. Uh, my guest today was Anthony Guth. And for all of you out there listening, drive like you know each other. <laughs>